fasten your seat belts. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Not a 90s movie this time. We're going to jump back in time. We're going to jump in the DeLorean. We're going to go back in time just a little bit further by uh, by popular request. And by popular, I mean Jeff because he's a popular guy. Um, it's true. It, it, that's true. Um, we are, we're jumping back in time, and this is our Jaws 45th anniversary episode um, because we figure there's not enough podcasts that are talking about Jaws right now. So we wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we had that covered because I really felt like, I hadn't seen a whole lot of stuff yet on Jaws, so that's why we're one here. Night, one night only, we're the 30 to the 1.5th power podcast. It was my understanding there would be no math on the podcast. I know, I know. But I know. that's okay. That hurt my head. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we have had a couple of drinks. <laughs> that's true. It's, I'm so. sitting on a bar stool right now, and I'm afraid to get down. I might hurt myself. Yeah, just stay there for a while. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just when you safe, just when you thought it was safe to get off the bar stool. All right. Well, as you can hear, there are several of us here. Actually, we've got. Uh, we kind of said it was probably going to be after the 300th episode, and we might have to wait till 400 till we get everybody back together again. But apparently, man-eating sharks bring everybody back together because the gang's all here. Hi, gang. Hey, 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 yo. What's up? How is everybody doing? Staying. Let's all answer at once. Good. Socially distant. Not bad. Not healthy. Bad. It's good. Things and the little people are there. We're all doing well here. All fine here now. Just how, fine how here. Thanks. Here, yeah. Here, yeah. <laughs> boring conversation anyway. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. It's going to last you the rest of your life. <laughs> You're all going to die. <laughs> it's yeah. Where do I have? Hold on. I've got to, I have loaded up the soundboard tonight. <laughs> They're all going to die. And coincidentally, I'm also loaded tonight. Are you? There you go. <laughs> uh, well, and so is the shark. I, I think the shark is too. Um, so yes, we are here for Jaws, the Jaws 45th anniversary. Jaws came out uh, 45 years ago. Uh, came out 4th of July weekend, didn't it? Yeah, I believe so. The official release of it. So, yeah, um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll mention this, too, but if you have not yet already, um, there have, I was kind of jokingly talking about other podcasts uh, doing a Jaws episode, um, but if you have not yet, uh, lately, the guys over at the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, uh, they actually have done a couple of episodes on Jaws and just a, a fantastic job um, talking through that. They were comparing that one with uh, Jurassic Park. And uh, just a great couple of episodes from those guys so far that they've released. Um, and uh, so if you have not checked them out lately, then uh, go uh, go give them a listen real quick as well. So Definitely. Great podcast. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so so we're here to talk about Jaws. Um, as as we've said several times, there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of movie news going around right now. Um, you know what? Let's uh, you know just just in case there may be a couple things we want to talk about. So let's let's talk some movie news here for just for a moment. All right. So I, the only movie news I keep hearing is that everything is moved back. Um, I think the uh, the guys in the 30, so, uh, 30 something, the surely can't be serious. We are the 30. Who are we? Who are we? Why are we here? Um, who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? Um, the surely can't be serious guys. They were talking on their show about how currently the two movies they were talking about, Jaws and Jurassic Park, were the number one movies in the theaters right now because theaters are not open and people are just bringing out the classics into the drive-ins and um, mm-hmm. I guess Jaws and Jurassic Park are the uh, the highest grossing movies right now. Oh, good. Which is kind of cool. But, that is cool. Uh, have you guys, some of the theaters I know have opened up and then there have been some drive throughs that have opened up. Have you guys partaken of any movie theater action? I have not. No. Nope. Okay. Not yet. That's going to be when things are open up and safe again. That's probably going to be one of my first things I'm going to want to go do is go see a movie somewhere. But we have been talking about, because I've seen several friends put this up on Facebook, we have been talking about investing in a projector and putting a screen on the side of the garage and oh, doing cool. something like that. We just we put a fire pit in uh, in the backyard, kind of over by where our grill is, and we've got a little area to... Uh, we've got a little uh, table out there, so if we're going to eat outside, we, we kind of do it over there. And it's not a bad spot if we wanted to set up a screen and a projector outside. So I'm almost thinking of just getting a nice, um, you know, not going insane, but just getting a nice setup that has a, a projector and some speakers and, and putting that uh, putting that off to the side over there so we can have our own little drive-in theater. Cool. But, yeah, no, I haven't, uh, I haven't gone out to any of the – I'd love to go out to one of the drive-in theaters, but just haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be nice when we get back into back into the swing of things. Yes, I am looking forward to some of these movies that they they claim they're coming out in the fall. Um, and I'm looking forward to it now I, with things maybe possibly taking a step backwards. Hopefully they still do. But I'm, I'm looking forward to Bill and Ted three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, I think, just got moved back a little bit. So that one should be coming out fairly soon. Um, as of the time of this recording, we are just a few days away from. I'm, I'm going to get it wrong again. Is it Greyhound? It is Greyhound. Yeah, Greyhound. I keep wanting to call it Bloodhound. I don't know why I want to call. It. Well, maybe I want to sing this. Maybe I want to sing the song. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Um, no, Greyhound. Maybe you're just thinking there's blood in that water. Maybe, yeah. But uh, yeah, Greyhound. I, I still wish that one could have come out in theaters, and maybe it will at some point. But that's Tom Hanks's big thing. Was he's just it's breaking his heart that it's. Uh, did not come out <clears throat> in the theater, but, uh, well, you know, you, you just watch the trailer and you know, that one needed to be yeah, a movie theater yeah. movie with the full sound system, the full. Yeah. It, it looks pretty outstanding. Yeah. It looks pretty outstanding. All right. Well, has anybody got anything else, uh, movie news wise for anything? Again, not a whole lot out right now, but Hamilton on Disney plus Hamilton yeah. on Disney. Plus. How many of you guys watched that? Did you partake of the Hamilton? I've oh yeah, nice. I've watched it a couple of times now. Have you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. A, I think Quite we did. Good. We did a bit of a watch party on the on the third. I think we had a, a couple of family members came over and we socially distanced ourselves in the living room and 
and watched it the day it came out. Cool. That was the first time the kids got to see it too. Cause they never, Sharon and I got to see it in person in Chicago. Um, but the kids never, never came with us for any of that. So this was their first mm-hmm. time seeing it. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. highly enjoyable. Yeah. Those of you that don't have Disney plus, uh, it's worth the six ninety nine for a month. Just so you can watch Hamilton. Just so you can watch it 30 times mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Well, and and Cobra was... Kai is coming to Netflix. I yeah, they, man. I don't know. I don't know if they've got it filmed yet or you know what, but um, I'm yeah. excited. I haven't seen season two yet, so I'm I'm excited. Oh, for it. really? Yeah, I haven't I'm seen season. Yeah. I haven't seen season one yet, so I gotta. Oh, oh man, man. Jeff- all, here, all I'm gonna say about season one is cafeteria fight done. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, season one. That's it. Then uh, here's all I'm gonna say about season two, and I and not the one upmanship thing, but school fight. Oh. Jeff, God, I can't t- wait. send me a text. I don't care if you watch it all tonight and send me a text at two o'clock in the morning. I'll probably be awake. Let me know. Cause it's yeah, Pat when, keeps uh, weird hours all of a sudden. I don't know. That's not all of a sudden. Um, mm. When is it coming to Netflix? Do we know? I, you know, I don't know. Cause I keep, it keeps popping up and um, it keeps uh, showing up on the news thing. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, check here for all the important stuff. And then I scroll through like 12 paragraphs and I don't get the important stuff like release dates and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I've kind of just, pulled back from um uh, uh looking for it but uh hopefully right. hopefully soon i just remember because i it was kind of like the way it would spread was guys this is jeff this is a really good thing and then i said just watch the first episode and if you have to put it down put it down but i'm guessing you can't and i think you watched it all like you were sitting outside watched- of eighth grade graduation like yeah I so can't i can't stop g- leave me alone i've got two episodes to go i got i got to the high school early and was just sitting in the parking lot watching on my phone because it's like, I think I want to say I started it at school because I didn't leave school before graduation. Right. It, it didn't make sense to drive home and back. So I just hung out at school for a while. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll get this thing going. And I think by the time I got to the high school, I was already on season or episode, uh, maybe episode four or five. And I was like, oh, my God, the stupid graduation is getting in my way. Yeah. Nothing against graduation. Bo, you guys did a great job always. No, no, no. Um, you, you're right. But yeah, graduation like, oh. getting in my way. That is right on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I never I never got around to using uh, someone else's email address to create another free trial on YouTube. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's coming to Netflix. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's the real deal, man. That that thing's legit. All right. Well, I think it's time to talk. Uh, I think it's time to, to talk a little shark action here. So. <sighs> Movie Jaws came out on the yes. 20th of June, 1975. Um, how many of us were alive in 1975? <laughs> I was. Okay, there we God, go. God, he's old. <laughs> Isn't he, though? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I just wanted to do that for you. See, uh, now, here, here that, was, the, that was for you, here. Bo, just so, you don't, so you're not the one that's getting picked on this episode. That one was just for you. Oh, give it time. Dennis, did you have to go to the schoolhouse early to start the fire for everyone else? Well, he had to gather the kindling first. Just curious. Uh, yeah. Uphill. You mean the cave? Was, there was no schoolhouse. It was a cave. <laughs> it was the learning Etching, cave. Etchings on the wall. I had to try to I, I had to do the eraser. There you go. It's just a couple rocks. <laughs> you said to chisel away the wall where it had been drawn on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's how you erase yeah. it with the yeah. rocks. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this one came out on the 20th of June, 1975. Um, rated PG, 
Although a very, as my son learned, a very different PG. <laughs> we got mm-hmm. partway through the movie, and he's like, I think we got to the first uh, when Chrissy gets attacked by the shark, and he's like, wait, this is PG? That's like three minutes in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> was, oh, man. It, it was great. And you were just like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> like, I'm winning the Father of the Year Award tonight. Um, runtime on this one was two hours and four minutes, directed by uh, Steven Spielberg. I'm not quite sure who he is, but uh, he apparently also directed E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Schindler's List, among a few other things. Producers on this one were David Brown and Richard D. Zanuck. Uh, Brown died in 2010. Zanuck died in 2012. Brown also produced uh, The Player and A Few Good Men. Zanuck also produced Driving Miss Daisy and Cocoon. Writers for this one, uh, Peter Benchley did the novel and the screenplay, and he passed away in 2006. And uh, Carl Gottlieb was another writer for this one. Benchley also did The Island, and a um, it was a TV series called Dolphin Cove. And Gottlieb did Caveman and Dr. Detroit. I, I, I Until I saw the IMDb entry for this and the poster for it, I had forgotten for some reason. I've seen the movie Caveman at least half a dozen times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I don't know if we had that. Caveman. Yeah. It was, I think that's the one with Ringo Starr is like one of the main characters. It's, yes. it's like Ringo. It's Ringo Starr. It's Ringo Star, um, Barbara Bach, I think. Right. Um, Barbara Bach, I think. Is that I, the one? With the, oh, I, the I thought it was. I thought it was Shelley Long. I am the walrus. Uh, Shelley Long. And I think Barbara. Bach. I am the walrus. Okay. Those okay. are the two females. And then I think Dennis Quaid's in there, too. And I am that's the, the one with uh, with the big. Um, Cuckoo, right? Yeah, with yeah. Mm, Tonga. That's yep. all I remember from that yep. movie. Where, wait, where have you said you've seen that? Or what? Wait, or we we ever... must have we must have owned it when I was little because I've seen yeah. that thing at least half a dozen times. See, we did earlier too, and I can't seem to find it. Yeah, was it in with I've your? I... Was it in with your like the family videos? Yeah, I it, well, we didn't. I don't think we owned a copy of it. I think we just saw it a couple, definitely, you know, two or three times when we were younger. It might have been a VHS that we had, or maybe my dad just rented it a few times from the, you know, because everybody rented everything, all the VHS back then. But I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I was I was making the connection between your family videos and the fact that it's a movie about cavemen. Oh, yeah. I yeah. got it. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's see. Uh, cinematography was done by Bill Butler, who also did Grease and Deliverance. Music was done by John Williams, who also did Star Wars, Jurassic Park, a whole bunch of other things. Budget on this one was $9 million, and box office was $470.7 million. <laughs> It's so, hot damn. The, <clears throat> the, the shark can bring in the coin. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's, that's a lot of, I mean, can you imagine, well, we'll get, we'll get into this, but some of my research was just to listen to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast because they did such a great job of going through the movie. But yeah, they did. As they talk through the the history of Jaws, there were there were just so many times that I'm sure Steven Spielberg and so many people associated this with with this movie are just like, we've ruined our careers. We're all mm-hmm. this this is just it's not this is not gonna work. Well, Spielberg was ready to quit. Yeah. And I think it was uh was it Zanuck? Was that one of the producers? Yeah, yeah. That uh, he went, he went to go to, to Zanuck's office to quit, and Zanuck got word of that. And uh, before Spielberg got there, Zanuck had changed into his Jaws T-shirt. Yeah. So he was wearing his T-shirt when uh, when Spielberg showed up, and Spielberg was like, "All right, maybe I won't quit. Maybe <laughs> yeah. they're, you know, we just got to keep keep pushing through." But we've we've already put out the merchandising. So. Yeah, there were there were a lot, a lot of times when merchandising. You know, 
a lot of the uh, behind the behind the scenes and extra bonus features on the DVD and the Blu-ray. A lot of them are talking about like we never thought we'd work again. We right. figured this was it. Right. Uh, ratings for this one, Metacritic. Well, wasn't this? Oh. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say, wasn't this? It came out somewhere that you know that he'd never shot out of a of a like a sound studio or something like that. This was the first time it was kind of like he was on location on the water and it was like two days into filming, he was two months behind schedule or something like that. I mean, wasn't it something like really just, there were a, a lot of difficulties. Well, the, yeah. I mean, there was, and I know there was just a lot of it with the uh, definitely like being out on this barge and, and they were trying to film out there and, and they're trying to get a certain shot. And I remember him talking about how like, um, you know, in the back there'd be a sailboat going across the horizon. Yeah. And, they, and it's like when it's far away, it takes a long time for it to get out of the shot. <laughs> so just stuff like that just kept oh, on geez. happening. Obviously, yeah. trouble with the mechanical shark, but it was it was a lot of uh, a lot of just weather, everything else, and they got behind budget, behind schedule. And Spiel, yeah, he, Spielberg he he shared a story about there was a, a, a sailboat out in the out in the distance on the yeah. horizon, and they figured it would take about an hour yeah. for the for the sailboat to go all the way through the shot. <laughs> about an hour and, and some change to tear down and reset up the shot in a different direction. So they were just like, it'd be faster just to wait for the sailboat to go by. That's so right. it, yeah. that halted production for, for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Ratings for this one. Metacritic gives it an 87%. Letterbox gives it an 82. IMDb gives it an 80. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 98%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 90%. Uh, cinema score, there is no score for this one because I don't think they started before 1978, I think is when cinema score started. So they do. How did the it. audience give it a 90%? Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think it would be? 100%. Yeah. 106 billion. Yeah. No. 452,000. Yeah. yeah. Critics, critics on that one are higher than the audience. So. Yeah. Hmm. Starring Roy Scheider, who died in 2008. He plays Chief Brody. He was in The French Connection and Blue Thunder. Robert Shaw, who died in 1978, played Quint. He was in The Sting and From Russia with Love. Richard Dreyfuss played Hooper. He was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind and American Graffiti. Lorraine Gary played Ellen Brody. She was in Jaws 2 uh, and Jaws the Revenge. And she was in 1941. Uh, Murray Hamilton, who died in 1986, played Vaughn. He was in The Graduate and Anatomy of a Murder. Carl Gottlieb played Meadows. He was in MASH and The Jerk. Uh, Jeffrey Kramer played Hendrix. He was in Clue and Halloween 2. And Susan Backlinney played Chrissy. Um, she was in a whopping two minutes of this movie, but she was also in 1941 and The Great Muppet Caper. When a young woman is killed by a shark while skinny dipping near the New England tourist town of Amity Island, Police Chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Scheider, wants to close the beaches, but Mayor Larry Vaughn, played by Murray Hamilton, overrules him. Fearing that the loss of tourist revenue will cripple the town, uh, ichthyologist Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus, and grizzled ship captain Quint, played by Robert Shaw, offer to help Brody capture the killer beast and the trio engage in an epic battle of man versus nature. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil 
and gave him Jaws. <laughs> this is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel, Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Bad fish. But I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father out of the water now? This shark, swallow you whole. You're going to need a bigger boat. That's a 20-footer. 25. Three tons of them. He's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up now. Don't wait for me. Now! Shoot! Watch the tail! Give him room! They can't! He's trying to run! Oh! Come quick! I can't hold it! None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Jaws. See it before you go swimming. See somebody else Barracuda and. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I just when I every time I hear that line in the movie, I was like, Barracuda. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Well, we usually start off this question. Today is no different. Um, how does this movie make you feel? Wanna say hi real quick? Oh say hey. Hi. Oh. Hey buddy. How say are hi, you? Guys. Hi guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey bud. Hey there. Wanna talk in the microphone? New guest host? Say a little something into the microphone. Okay. We're talking hey. about a shark. Do you like sharks? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like baby shark? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Baby isn't it? shark. Do, 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 do. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. I go on his jaws watching yeah. that, thinking of baby shark. Yeah. He was. <laughs> he was. Uh, he was singing baby shark just now, wasn't he? Yep. Mm-hmm. Ah, good for him. Can you say we're right. gonna need a bigger boat? He can't hear you because I got my headphones oh, on. Okay. Oh. Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> Well, then. 
<laughs> After he watches Jaws at that age, it's gonna be, gonna be, I'm gonna need bigger therapy. Yeah. <laughs> How about it? You mean two and a half is is too young to watch Jaws? Uh, well, I can't wait till we get to when we saw this movie. <laughs> did, you see, did you see it when you were two and a half? <laughs> no, I was I was born in '71, but I will say I saw it at the theater, but not as bad as what you think. Okay. Gotta be loud. There was a, there was a re-release. Keep singing. Baby. That's what I was texting back and forth with my brother confirming this. So That's awesome. I was hey, like, wait a second. Go. Did I see this when I was four? Because I know I saw this in the theater. Yeah. He's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Parent of the Year Award. <laughs> That's some good baby shark singing. Yeah. He's trying his best. Yeah. He's doing a great job. Keep He's going, bud. Good job, bud. All right. Yeah. He's got to go to bed, so I'm going to sign yeah. off for just a second. All right. Well, boy, his smile just lights up the room, Jeff. Good job, man. Congratulations to you and your family there. Can you say good night? Good night. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye. Ninety-nine. Wow. Uh, so much fun when they're young enough not to talk back. Um, <laughs> between, let's see John's kid on there now. No. Um, <laughs> although he he will listen to this episode later. So love you, buddy. Um, so yeah, hundred room. <laughs> Cans of beans everywhere. <laughs> there you go. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, what is a first? Uh, we'll we'll get to the first time you saw this here in a second. But um, what is a just a single word or phrase? How does this movie make you feel? Thrilled. Okay. I don't want to say exhilarated, mm-hmm. but thrilled. Pat, if your word is anything other than hungry, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, yeah, I do get hungry when okay. I see this movie, but, um, I mean, they start uh, describing it's a perfect eating machine. Like, yeah. That's kind of like basically Pat. Yeah. That's kind of like, I mean, it basically lives mm-hmm. to eat, swim, uh, you know, I mean, and then, mm-hmm. you know, ride motorcycles and ride. But yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if the shark popped up, I only came here to do two things, swim and eat people. <laughs> I'm all tired off from swim. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. This movie, uh, uh, only two in, things I'm afraid of. I, that's <laughs> I am in awe. I am in awe of this movie. I, that, that, that's yeah. How do you, how do you feel? So it's I, awe I, was a word that was coming up for me too. But I'm like, is it a feeling that I'll, I would take that too? Because you know, well, I just I'll, have I'll to. Say, I'll say satisfied. I'll say satisfied. Yeah. Thoroughly satisfied. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> Apparently, somebody wasn't entertained because they got a ninety percent from well, audience. Yeah, that's, right. That's true. See, Those it, are the people that were so scared they didn't know how to respond. Well, I was going to say, well, now this is this is where the the question of when you saw this because it's interesting mm-hmm. watching it now. I'm saying fully satisfied and awe. I'm just proud of that movie. It's a great movie. Um, if you you know if we go to when we saw this, I was scared <laughs> scared of water. Mm-hmm. Bo, did you give did you give uh, did you give your reaction, Bo? No. Um... Jeff, of course, stole most of my words, but excited. Like this movie, that music, it just, it, it kind of amps you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, here we go. Um, 
it's it, it's exciting to watch now. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. for me, it's kind of mine was going to be a mixture of a couple of the others that we've already said. Um, you know, I think this is one of those movies that it's this movie is the full package. It's got the music. It's got the actors. It's got the you know the the way when you find out the backstory of how the movie was created. Um, you know, all the bits and pieces coming together. This this is not even it's not one of those movies that I tend to watch very often. In fact, before watching it for the podcast tonight, it had probably been maybe ten years since I had watched Jaws last. So it's not one that I go back to very often. But when I really? do, yeah. But when I do, it's like this is a great movie. You know, it's it's not on my like regular rotation, but every time I watch it, I have fun watching it. Well, every, every Fourth of July for me. Oh, or, do you really? around or, around Fourth of July? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. I mean, it's one of the. I think the the a good word to describe it, not necessarily a feeling word, is when you're describing all that. I just think this is the perfect definition of a movie that's considered a classic. Mm-hmm. Like this is just classic. Classic yeah. everything, the cast. I mean, it's just again one of those movies that you had never even want people to try to uh to redo yeah well thank god we got three sequels yeah right (laughs) yeah and maybe a prequel i don't know if that's uh if john's done research on that but i know jj abrams was supposed to try and do it no finding nemo isn't a prequel (laughs) (laughs) names bruce the origin story (laughs) it uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fly out on a limb here and just say um i think any of the prequels and sequels uh, struggle because I yeah. think this, this movie, this movie a isn't a, this movie isn't about a shark. And I'm not coming up with this myself. I've, it's kind of a, a bunch of different things I've read. This movie isn't about a shark. This movie is about like the human spirit and how we react to things. And human I mean, condition. that's yeah. yeah, that's what this movie is about. And how ridiculous politicians can be saying everything's safe, fine. And oh my go gosh! Go about your lives. And I I don't want to. I, I again, I am in awe of this Sorry. movie because it was. Bo, I went like it was line by line. I'm like, oh my God, 45, like, oh my gosh, here we go. And you better take care of those vandals. Oh, oh that, that, that's the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. I, okay. You know, I, it's just, I think we'll be fine because it's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to die. <laughs> right. I mean, right, right down. And I, the thing I, and I, like I said, I, I almost shut the thing off in anger because I started stomping around my living room when it, all of a sudden they're doing this. I'm like, it's, it's 45 years ago. And how could it be that fitting to life right now? And then right with, she's sitting on the beach and, and, and the, his wife looks at the gal and says, well, well, when are we going to be accepted here? We weren't, oh, honey, you'll never be here because you weren't born on the island. I'm like, oh my God, it, it, it just, oh, I, I mean, how... I don't want to say how can the movie get so many things right and be so prescient, but I guess it's just the idea that, well, that's just kind of who we are as humans. And, and that's why I respect Quint. I'm just going out on my boat. Too many captains on too many captains, <laughs> many captains on this here island. island. On this here Island. Yep. And it, it, he doesn't get all riled up. This is what you got to do. Don't listen. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the next thing you know, people are getting eaten. Oh man. Good. Lord, this is a great movie. So when was the first time you saw this? So Dennis, it sounds like you saw this at way too young of an age. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was 75 and, and when, when I, without looking it up, it was when you started actually, I didn't even look this up until you started the podcast. You said 75 and I'm thinking, well, this was 79. 
And I'm thinking, wait a second. No, it was 75. Holy crap. I saw that at the theater. My parents bring me when I was four. Like, what the heck? It explains a lot. Well, it's only PG. Um, basically, <laughs> so then I, I was texting my, my brother here, and he said no. And then when I looked at the re-release, it was re-released in the United States in uh, 1979. Um, I remember my brother got for, like, his eighth birthday or something. He got a... Um, you got a little uh, model and it was a, you paint it and it had the jaws coming up and it had a, you know, the whole, so, and I think went down a little, like it was a, the big scene at the end. It was a little model that he had, he got for his birthday, but um, we saw King Kong in the theaters, I think in 75, the, the one with um, Jessica, oh, uh, Jessica Lang and Lang, uh, yes. oh, yeah. Charles that Broden. One. And, and, that's, and, and that's I remember these by the fact that I, I know by the fact that I remember like being in a theater and seeing the big po- it's it's the big cardboard cutout posters that you remember from like when you were a kid because I don't really remember like oh I was necessarily sitting in a theater but I do remember that um, but it was always the big cardboard cutouts my dad even got one from somebody and had it in a garage for Jaws and for King Kong a poster he would always get posters and stuff like that for the movies so we saw it I was uh, I was about eight years old when I saw that and I and it, and it was yeah it made it tough to go. Uh, my dad was a swim coach. We were in pools all the time. Swimming pools I was good with, but when we went back to anything that was a lake, um, you know, uh, it was there. Although although I think his his pool at IIT underneath was very dark when you went down to about it was twelve feet when you got down to about ten feet. There was this glass window there, and it was where you could see where inside there was all the uh, like kind of the. the the way it runs, the filtration system, everything, pipes and all this stuff. And it was very dark and weird. And you had to look through the mirror. We would always go down there and look through there. And I remember one time my older brothers told me that's where they keep the sharks. And holy shit, just, I, we never, I always, I would swim so far away from that thing. Like I, when we did laps, I literally would veer out to the side away from the window, you know, like and do an extra 10, 20 feet going around it. I, it, it had that impact where very much like Blair Witch Project did for the woods. Um, I think that did that for everybody with the water. I heard people were afraid to take showers. I mean, that's a little nuts, but, uh, but like people are just literally afraid. And that was their, I think the, the tagline, you know, about something about being afraid to go back in the water, you know? And, uh, and I remember that actually had a big impact on people back then, kids, friends, family member, you know, just everybody. I didn't so. go swimming in the ocean until I was in college. And that has a lot to do with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I, I think it could. I mean, dude, it's a, it's like we, yeah. we'd taken vacations and such to the coast and no, thank you. It wasn't until I was in college, maybe post college. No, I was in college. First time I actually was like, all right, I'm going to go swim in the ocean and here's hoping. Well, and I think it's that thing of you, you know, the, the, the mystery of the water. I mean, it's we, we we're at a disadvantage there, you know um from everything that's in it that's someone else's territory and while we can control things that happen on the land for the most part you know besides weather and things like that but we uh you get in that water and you don't know what's lurking underneath and that's something that the movie taps into so well that you don't always see it it's not always obvious but it's that one moment and well i read that's why that's why spielberg um shot the movie at at surface level or a lot of the movie at surface level, you know, and they constructed a box for the camera to be able to put the camera down at surface level to really give the audience the the, the familiar perspective of being in the water and then really freaking you out because he's now he's introducing, well, this is everything that goes on under, under where your head is bobbing at the top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and he, so, he mean, followed it, it, he followed what Hitchcock was always so good at was yeah. you're, you're more afraid of what you don't see. <laughs> it's yeah. it's more I, about the tension leading up to the murder than it is. The, oh, it's very it's very Hitchcockian. Yeah. Well, I think they way. I think they said it's uh what was the comparison? I don't know if it was uh I had read it somewhere. Maybe it was Abrams. Maybe it was a review. I don't even know. But it was something about like and it was that exact comparison to Hitchcock where Hitchcock said something about um a bomb under a table that explodes is a surprise. A bomb under a table that doesn't explode is suspense. And that was it. So there's like a bomb on the table and you don't know when it's going to go off. And that was scarier than, you know, the bomb going off in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, and that's, yeah. And I think that was part of the deal was I, I believe that uh, they said that either Spielberg said he wouldn't do the movie or something. And I, again, I'm, I've seen enough things on this. I haven't seen the big uh, celebration of her, the, the really, you know, the, the whatever, um, uh, the big 40, you know, something year thing. It was, it was uh, him saying that he didn't want the shark to be seen for the first half hour. You don't see the shark and I, and you don't. Well, now do you think, and I don't know if that was a conscious choice or if that was because the thing didn't work. I it was think a combination it, of both. I think it was in, the intent yeah. was there in the beginning and then he wanted to show the shark more probably after that half hour. And then it became, well, this thing's not working. And it was a disaster and almost, almost, uh, mm-hmm. almost actually had, what's the name? Uh, Shaw, Robert Shaw, uh, Brown. Yeah. And, 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 uh, well, and this is podcasts that I think you have all recommended that I listen to. So, you know, f- feel free to fill in the gaps where I miss it. But yeah, it was the big mechanical shark that they nicknamed Bruce. Like they couldn't get it to work. It was mm-hmm. like filling with water and sinking and, you know, the whole thing. So they had to be very, but if they had gotten it working, the movie probably would not have withstood the test of time. Now it withstands the test of time because they don't overreach. It's all you describe it as Hitchcock or from the surface or from the shark's perspective or what have you. But it's, um, you know, but the impact, like what Jeff was saying, like to this day, I will tell you, I go in, I mean, I go to California, I'll go in the ocean and, and, um, and I'm a little careful about getting a little further out. You only go so far. I'll, hey, go far. I'll go far out in, in like Michigan and everything else. And even then you're thinking they're like, man, what if somebody released a shark in here and it's been growing like the alligator? Right. What if there's a shark that somehow finds a way to breathe in fresh water? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So you, you start thinking that, like, what if there's some mutated, you know, I don't know. And I'll be the guy that finds it. Um <laughs> But, it, but you'll be the guy in, that it finds. Yeah, when you're in California, you're you know you're out there swimming. It's it it is something that goes in the back of your mind, even though all rationality and I know statistics and what the odds are and that sharks aren't out to typically get people. And you know it does happen. There are shark attacks. It's usually a mistake. They're not intent on going and eating humans. Um, and I know that, so I know the facts of everything scientifically and everything else. But man, this thing still makes you like look down at your feet and want to, you know, you get off a boat for a little bit, you're out there and, and you, you get back in that water pretty quick. And the last thing I hurry up and bring my feet in really quick because I used to like that's what they're going to get. When <laughs> you get that foot that's just dangling in there. It's always like in this movie where people are swimming back to that dock or swimming back. To, and it's mm-hmm. just like, man, just missing it. So. Well, that's what, yeah. a, a few years ago. And, and we didn't actually until watching this movie, I, I had not told my son about this, but my mom, she and my dad were down in Florida several years ago and she was in, maybe it was just waist high water and, and she's not really tall. So it was probably about three feet of water, maybe. Um, and uh, she she called me 
uh, when they were down there and she's like, you're not going to believe this. I was just waiting out in the water and I got bumped into by like a four, anywhere from like four to six foot long shark. Mm-hmm. She's like, I, something bumped into me and I looked down and it was a shark. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the kids are young enough. I'm not telling them about that yet. So <laughs> it, it, it took years. And then I took, when we watched the movie the other night, I said, Hey, you know, uh, Mimi actually bumped into a shark one time when she was in Florida. He's like, what? Yeah. He's, like how far out was she? It was like, uh, she was still standing up. So not that far. All right. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ever going in the ocean. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, this was, and, and this movie for me, I, I wasn't super young when I saw this movie. I would say maybe middle school was the first time I saw this movie. The first time I saw this movie in its entirety unedited. I probably saw it on TV in some kind of an edited form here and there. Um, sometimes when I would, when everybody else would go to sleep in the house and I would stay up and I'd watch, you know, some of the late night movies that you shouldn't be putting on when you're that young. Um, so this was one that I would typically see when I was a kid that for some reason or another, I, I always picture seeing this one along with like the blob and piranha and just, you know, some of those other kind of like old school monster movies or like the, especially like piranha when you had those movies and I was not a swimmer anyway. Like I was, I, I almost drowned when I was a really little kid. So I didn't want to get anywhere near any kind of swimming, but these movies just completely kept me terrified of the water for a very long time. I remember watching jaws three more than I'd seen jaws when I was a kid. I'm sorry. And I, and yeah, <laughs> and, but I, I think it was more cause it was based like in a, a some sort of aquatic theme park. Like a 3d one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I related to the idea because when I was a kid, we used to travel to visit family in Ohio and we'd always go to uh, SeaWorld. So then Jaws 3 being set in, in the aquatic park that it was, I was like, oh, it's like going to SeaWorld and this happens. Oh, that's so crazy. I can't remember the first time or first couple of times that I had seen Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could. Yeah. But um, I mean, but like almost- I said, not, not, now it's part, you know, I watch it at least once a year, yeah. if not more than that. Well, now, am I it- assuming that everybody here saw this on a TV the first time they saw it? Yeah. 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 I would love to see a re-release of it in the theater, though. Mm-hmm. So this, this is where I will definitely, um, you know, not shy away from the old card here. Because um, to me, I'm like very thankful of that. Like it's it's. Like, like, you know, I'm bragging here. That's something you guys never experienced then was seeing it for the first time in a theater. And I think it's one of those movies that, you know, there's movies out there that we know come out now and we're like, yeah, I can't, this can wait for DVD or this can wait for TV. Like this one is one that like the impact in a theater, you know, I, I that, like it's, it's just very, very, it's a just totally different experience since I couldn't even imagine just seeing that for the first time on the TV screen. I can imagine the theater would be awesome just with, especially now yeah. with like the big sound systems and the, yeah. the way the bass would just like in the, the, I can't remember what it's called already, but in the, the Dolby. Yeah. The AMC Dolby stuff. Dolby I feel surround, like the, yeah, and all, yeah. the bass in the seat would just be oh, vibrating yeah. and rumbling and oh, yeah. And the thing is, um, there's another movie uh, that came out shark related that was that I, I liked a lot, which was, you know, especially for like a, a low but lower budget film, which was Open Water, the original mm-hmm. the first one. And that was a couple that went out and they on their weekends would fly out. I forgot where they're flying out. And they were you know, filming this movie and they got a shark expert to kind of help with stuff. But 
that one I saw in the theater as well. And you literally, when you're out there, again, I think they took a page from this movie was putting that camera at that level that's just bobbing up and down with the water, you know, and you're at that aisle kind of like where we're at and you don't know what's underneath yet. And, and you literally feel like your, your legs are getting cold. Your legs are wet. You're in the water, you know, and you feel like that with them. You're almost getting a little bit of motion sickness and, and, uh, and you, you can't quite get that feeling on the TV screen, no matter how big that screen is nowadays, but in the theater, in the black, everything's dark surrounded, you know, like you're surrounded by darkness and, and you're, you're in that world. And I think that's, that's uh, I've, I hope that once, painful. once COVID kind of gets taken care of and, and theaters are, you know, doing some more of their re-releases of movies. I, I yeah. hope that at some point to catch a re-release of Jaws yeah. in the movie theater. Cause I think it would just, it would, I mean, I, I adore this film and I think it, it would just take it to a whole level that I can't even fathom yeah experiencing it at well and that's what you know this would have been totally different seeing it especially showing it to john for the first time because you know what was it we we said three minutes into the movie is when the girl chrissy gets attacked for the first time and just and that attack is just her the sound of her screaming and thrashing around and other and and you don't see the shark but it's just it's entirely everything that's happening to her you know we had i had the sound turned up on the tv and in fact nora said you guys were watching that movie really loud last night. Um, I said, yeah, it, it's Jaws. I had the sound turned up. We had the lights turned off. We were doing everything we could to simulate as much as possible to like a movie theater experience. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, like that scene, I mean, that's a jarring first yeah. scene of the movie. And I can only oh. imagine what that would sound like in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, I, I just remember like, whoa, wow, mm-hmm. what just happened? You know, at first I was excited because it was like, you know, I'm eight and I saw some nudity. And then um, and then all of a sudden she's dead. That kind of ruined that whole mood. So. <laughs> Don't. That's what you, that's what you get for like, looking but at Wait, her. I liked her. <laughs> yeah, so did the shark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pat and Bo, do you guys remember when you first saw this? I couldn't tell you exactly when, but similar to, to John, it was, you know, it was on cable probably with my uncle that um i saw all the movies i shouldn't see with um but i will say i was older than some movies we've talked about because i don't remember being super scared by it like i remember thinking oh it's a mechanical shark like you know um Unlike some other movies we've talked about where I just still am scarred by this one, I've always been able to enjoy as a movie. Um, I'm frightened of sharks in general, but it wasn't, it was before it was pre jaws. Like I already had that problem. So I'm able to appreciate this as, um, so I was old enough. So I would probably say early teens, maybe. Um, Yeah. I, um, you know, it's funny, uh, Jeff, I had an experience similar to yours. I think it was like at a sleepover or a friend's house. I don't remember watching it cover to cover, but I want to say that I think I saw clips of Jaws 3. Uh, Because isn't that, you said that's the one that's at SeaWorld. Isn't there this like tunnel uh, where they go? Yeah, big glass tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that, you know, and and I, I don't even remember like watching the movie. 
you know, I, I, like I just remember like that scene was on and, and that just fragments of it. And then I don't know when I actually sat down and watched Jaws, but it, it was like everyone was talking about it. So I felt like I I kind of knew everything about it. And um, yeah, I, I think I finally saw it later high school. M maybe we watched it or maybe it was even college when it was like, dude, you have not seen Jaws like beginning to end. We were. We're watching this right now. And then I, I, I sat down in college and actually watched the thing with some friends. Um, but it was later that I finally saw it. And so, you know, I didn't get the terrified, like, oh, I'm never going to go swimming again. That, you know, that, uh, sorry about that, Dennis. That, that'd be rough at, you know, eight years old. Oh. Um, so I never had that experience. But I guess uh, um, that was when I first saw it and it was just just blown away. And, and, you know, I'll kind of pilfer some of John's ideas. Yeah, I didn't watch it that frequently because you kind of see it and it's like, this is amazing. I think I need to watch this movie at least once a year, you know, like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation at Christmas, this one on 4th of July. And I, I'm excited because honestly, Tammy's like, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, well, this is this is exciting. This is like when you told me you've never seen Clerks or like this is something you need to see. So we're going to sit down and watch it in the next couple of uh next couple of days maybe when we're done here tonight i'll wake her up and tell her that we got to go watch it right now yeah, um that'll go over let me know how that goes I would, right. tell you, I would never tell you guys how to do your parenting but just share your kids at an eight man <laughs> no i turned out all right yeah that's yeah, right sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right i was the uh, better the more impact it has. Now, i was, I, watch, I I was my, watching some of the bonus features the other day and uh Thomas woke up from his nap. So I had paused the screen to go get him and I brought him downstairs and it was an interview with somebody, one of the producers, I think, and, and, and behind him was a picture of the shark. Thomas looks at the TV and looks at me and goes, daddy, are you watching baby shark? I was like, yes, yes, yes I am. Sure. Good thing you didn't pause it. When Can I watch with you? <laughs> Not Quint baby is, shark. Quint is in his mouth full of blood. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, I did show this to my kids already. I don't know when it was, it was kind of like a fourth summer, fourth of July thing. And I want to, I'm going to ask them, I'm trying to think now when, we, you know, there was a debate about it and I remember taking into the whole, you know, and, and I, I, I want to say they were about 12, 12 and 13, maybe 11 and 12. I think so, that's right not. about when I saw it. And I don't think it yeah. scarred me too heavily. No, no. And they loved it. They loved it. It was, it, it's and, a the, the debate good movie. Them. Here's the debate on this, though, is and, and I remember having this kind of conversation for me is and we've had this as movie lovers. When do you show your kids stuff and when do you don't? I know, John, you had that uncle who showed you lots of things that was, you know, before you probably should have seen them or whatever. But hey, Porky's Porky's at age three is totally fine. <laughs> sure. You knew what to do with all those things. At three. I, I know exactly how a locker room should be used now. <laughs> a few suspensions later on but you were all right everything worked out you finally found a school that would keep you um the thing is whoop sorry the, the, the dilemma, uh, what's up sorry about that like shark? i was looking i was looking up stuff on jaws yeah and then a shark oh. got me sorry about the, that i think the thing the debate of when to show this for me was and, and like i said you guys are all movie lovers and you have your kids and one of the big things is when do you show your kids star wars when do you show them like you know these classic movies that we loved and with this one it was hard because i felt because the shark isn't i, I was worried that if they had seen enough crazy awesome special effect animals and Mm -hmm. and all this stuff that it becomes too laughable and they think this was just cheesy 
you know, and you're because you never know like how they're going to experience it. So I was thinking if they see this now when they haven't seen a lot of other, you know, they've seen great special effects, but the story you believe in and the way it's filmed, you believe in and you just want to make sure that it's done within a window. And when that window is, is going to be different, I guess, for everybody or how you guys do it. But I just felt like I remember thinking they're not like eight, nine, like I was but they're also not 16, 17, where they're a little more cynical about things and like, oh, that shake, you know, fake shark. And, you know, so it was right, I think, at a good age where they both loved it. everybody. Shannon, everybody jumped at the one scene with the, when he goes down diving underneath and he sees the, you know, the head, the head. Um, Sun Gardner's head. Yeah. I mean, that, that like scene, like literally, like, I mean, people scream, all three of them screamed and jumped in the, in, in, so the, in the living room. Do you know the story of that scene? Um, no. So that scene was, uh, almost, I think it was like a later addition to the movie. Um, because the, the big screen came when, uh, when Jaws pops out, when, uh, when Brody's is, uh, dumping all the chum, you know, come get, come chum some of this blah, 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 whatever. And the shark pops out and, and Spielberg went to an early screening with an audience. And I think I could probably get one more scare. One more jump scare, yeah. One more, one more scare out of the out of out of the audience, and they went back, and he ended up funding himself the uh, a recreation of of, of a boat in uh, in somebody's swimming pool. And and it they was, made the, it was the movie editor's swimming pool, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And they they got, got some wood, and they recreated the boat, and he figured out timing wise the best way to go about uh, you know uh, Hooper coming up to the boat and getting the tooth out and the head popping out and put that in the movie and it got a huge scare but then the oh. sharks the shark coming out of the water later was less effective and he was like well i wonder why and it occurred to him he goes because of that first one the audience learned to be on guard well mm-hmm. well here's the thing the, the music anytime the shark was somewhere near in the thing and this is where the music came yeah. in from what i remember is the music you always kind of knew it was kind of like with uh, I don't know if it's Jason or whoever, but you know, every time there's that sort of that, uh, you know, some sort of that music playing, you were already on guard. Mm-hmm. And when that thing happens with the head, there is no music. Yeah. It just happens. So you're, you've been conditioned like Pavlov's dog to, to kind of expect. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's there. And that's why that works so well. So you're right. From that point on now, you know, there's a deal here where that deal has been broken, that it doesn't mean that the shark's only going to appear when the when the music is there so now yes you are on more guard for when it can you know you're prepared more so for something to happen so yeah so, so he, he kind of spoiled it for the audiences by putting yeah. ben gardner's head earlier uh putting that oh. scene earlier in the movie because at that spoiled point that then they're scene. like oh now now we got to be on guard and be ready for these things he spoiled that scene but i actually think that if you would have if you would not have had that scene i think while yeah, that might have been a bigger, a little bit bigger of a jump. It would have been about the same things. I mean, for me, like I no, don't know, I, I mean, th- this is what Spielberg himself said. More about boom. Yeah, no, no, I know. And what I'm saying though is, from my experience of it, the way when he's you know uh, saying the line and he's feeding, the, throwing the stuff in the water, and the shark comes up, to me that's a that's a startle, but it's not the same scream worthy. I don't think anybody would have. I, I don't know. I don't think I would, even if that that 
that earlier shot wasn't there, I don't know if I would have screamed. I would have been like, whoa, but I, there's a difference. I think like mm-hmm. the, the shark one is more of a whoa, startle, yeah. like wow. That's more of a... Another one is more of a scream, drop whatever you got in your hand type of thing. When the yeah. shark well, when pl- the shark comes up out of the water, I feel like that's one, that's, that's one of those scenes where it's kind of the whoa, but you're also almost like for me, and I think... Yeah early on seeing this too it's one of those scenes where you almost laugh at it not and not like it's a funny laugh yeah. but it's like a oh oh man it's like, like a nervous laughter yeah. it's like, like nervous, you. Yeah. it's like amazed nervous laughter yeah yeah like i'm glad yeah, i'm not that guy plus with with ben gardner's head you also have you do have music because you have that stinger that uh that the orchestra plays oh, yeah. that after, really accentuates that after like when it happens but like mm-hmm. uh, up until then there's no shark done uh, there's none of that yeah yeah there's no there's, there's no uh no jaws theme so you're but, totally caught off guard for that and that's why it works as such a great jump scare so we're one. we're kind of talking we're kind of jumping around a little bit to some of the music so i know before we started recording we did start talking just a little bit about this um and i know that a couple of the other podcasts we've listened to have talked about this the soundtrack show um you know they've done a show on jaws the music so i uh, let's let's take just a few minutes to talk about the music as well and i'm glad oh. you pointed that out dennis because i wanted to mention too that you know they i like how john williams did that and, and steven spielberg did that where they're never going to play that music unless the shark is actually going to show up mm. so you never you know in this scene at the very beginning when it's the the kids with the fake you know cardboard shark fin you don't hear the music because the shark's not there yeah. you know and, and and i just think that's and and you don't i never noticed that until i was told that you know, mm-hmm. and then when I went back, I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. So, yeah. So let's talk music for a second. Let's. It's 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 the it's the character. I mean, yeah. uh, from what I and again, I'm I, like a lot of my probably feedback. And this is some of the things I've seen through interviews with Spielberg. There was an editing documentary DVD that I had seen that was like two hours long and it had, you know, all their films in it. But, you know, he talks about the editing in this and about how the music and he says how, for him, all his credit goes to, number one, the editing, the editor, uh, Mother Cutter, which is, I forget what her name is, um, who did it. And then the other one is the music, that those saved him because the shark wasn't working, because things weren't going so well. It's like that music became a character. That music became, it filled, filled the gaps and made it you know, more powerful than it would have been had you shown the shark a lot. Well, and you've got, so, so here, I'm going to play the theme here just for a second. But... And we can talk over it just a little bit, but I don't know. We'll talk over it too much. Mm. Yeah, the story was I heard he played on the piano for him, and, and um, yeah. Spielberg was like, Haha, "No, seriously, what what do you got?" And yeah. he's like, "No, this is it." He's like, "Oh, okay, I could work." But that's even you know when my kids were younger because so they, predatory. Yeah. My, when my kids are younger, they the elementary school that my kids have gone to, their mascot is the sharks. And, you know, they at different times in the school, like they'll use a almost like a, a kid's version of that music. It's a little bit more upbeat, a little bit. I don't know if this music can be upbeat or not, but, um, you know, it's a little bit more cartoonish version of it. But the kids know it. Like, And, and I guarantee a vast majority of the kindergartners, you know, never saw Jaws. But everybody knows this music, and everybody knows it's supposed to have something to do with sharks. So yeah. even if you've never seen the movie, you know this theme. I th- it might have been, I think, on the Friendly Fire podcast. They had talked about this movie, and one of the guys had talked about like he was in the pool with his five-year-old or something. 
and, and his kid was like, I'm a shark and started singing the theme. He's like, what, what, mm-hmm. how, <laughs> how did you come across that? Like, yeah. it, so it, it is very, it is a very universal track and it's used in, in so many other, uh, so many other movies again, as a, as a predatory accompaniment. Yeah. And I'm just going to tag on here. And this is something that uh, Jeff, we were talking about the uh, soundtrack show, which really everybody, I mean, you know, listen to the uh, surely you can't be serious folks talk about jaws on their awesome podcast. Listen to the uh, soundtrack show podcast. It's a three parter on jaws and, and it just breaks down all the music, but something Jeff that you mentioned, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if it was our pre-recording discussion or if this was back at the beginning of the episode, you said there's so many different themes in there and yeah. there really are. And you don't realize it because everyone knows the theme, the Jaws mm-hmm. theme. And it's fantastic. And, and the story that Dennis alluded to and uh, but just Cooper the, and Brody and Quint all have a theme. They all have themes. And it's so it's so revealing of their characters. And then right down to, you know, when everyone shows up on Amity for the 4th of July, there's a theme that mm-hmm. fits. And then, you know, even the music that Quint's singing, that uh, My Fair Spanish Ladies, the sea shanty, um, they use that as a theme. And uh, this is something, I mean, I'm not an intelligent person by any stretch of the imagination, so I'm just going to kind of like reference the um, uh, David W. Collins in the uh, soundtrack show, but he he exposes where they use that Spanish ladies theme. And... Um, like when Quint is telling his story, and I'm sure we'll talk about this immaculate scene, um, this phenomenal scene when Quint is telling his story of being on the Indianapolis, they play hints of the Spanish ladies theme underneath it. So in the way that you begin to realize is that's that theme is kind of tied in where it seems like this quaint little song that's kind of tied in with Quint's you know, almost obsessive, almost madness in terms of, of hunting this shark. And uh, you, you hear that there's callbacks to that theme and the way they use that, that, that tune, not only as just something he sings, you know, a sea shanty, but also how it relates to who his character is. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is so, it is so intricate, the music in Jaws. And everyone just thinks of that, that wonderfully marvelous theme that, uh, that, uh, um, Spielberg wrote, you know, the, the Jaws theme, but there's a lot of really awesome musical storytelling going on too. The one, one of my favorite pieces of music is the the pirate swashbuckling mm-hmm. tune when uh, when when they're chasing Jaws and they've got the barrels on and like turn it around, head yeah. around, yeah. yeah. you got this this full like pirate theme. Yes, that's, right. That's that's playing, and as the shark starts to to disappear and go under and pull the barrels down. The, 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 the music starts to quiet down and, and instruments trail off. And like it just, mm-hmm. it's so perfectly accompanies the excitement of, we got them. We're on yeah. his tail. Turn it around. We're on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. And then the other fascinating thing about the music was when they're on the Island, you hear a marching band practicing mm-hmm. somewhere. And I believe David Collins said that that was a piece that John Williams wrote for that marching band to yeah. be playing in the background somewhere on the island. There's a that's true, and there's a there's and I think it was like the local marching band, like the high school marching band or something, played it. I I want to say, I even want to say that like I think Steven Spielberg was playing clarinet in the band or something. He was. Is that true, Bo? Yep. 
Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, there's just a lot of fun stuff coming out of this movie. Um, that was back when he was young and didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the swashbuckling theme. That was really eye-opening. Again, soundtrack show. When he draws and, and relates that back to like the old music that they would use in like Captain Blood and the Seahawk and all yeah. that. And then you play that back to back and it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's right out of that that vein. I mean, not yes, that yes, era yes. because it's 40 years but later. It, but, but it's that, it's that genre. Yeah. You know, and, you expect to see guys in, in goofy costumes with yeah. swords. And... Yeah. Yeah. How cool of a character was Quint? I mean. Oh, he's the best. And when the when the shark swims under with the barrels and then he's just sitting there on the he's just sitting there staring at him uh, on the on that catwalk out the front of uh, what do you call that? What do you call that? Sticking out the nose of the boat. I I. I'm sorry, I don't know my nautical terms, but whatever perch, that like perch, I don't know, like the bowsprit is it? Yeah, yeah, the perch, I don't know. But it, he's way out on that catwalk, and he's just sitting there, just looking at him, just the boats rocking back and forth, and and you can, and the thing is, I think you can't see his face in the shadows, but you know what's, you know, you know, he totally emotes what he's what he's thinking, mm-hmm. you know. God, that's just cool. There was a cut scene of Quint. Um, he goes into a music shop to buy piano wire. Mm-hmm. And while the clerk is um, is going to get the piano wire for him, he's standing behind a kid who has a clarinet and is playing, uh, what's the kid playing? Ode to Joy. Mm-hmm. And he starts humming behind the kid and all of a sudden he just like ascends into this madness. And he's like, bomb, 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 like screaming it at this kid. And it's just, it's so uncomfortable, but it's so quint. Yeah. <laughs> like just the, the way that it builds. And I, I, there was no explanation as to why it was cut from the movie or where exactly it fits in. Yeah. Um, well, they maybe don't want to telegraph what happens later, like when he blows the motor and he's singing and he, you, there's like suddenly he's singing in that intense. He's got a little growl in his voice. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they don't they don't want to sort of like, you know, the discussion earlier about the, the head coming out, the, the hole in the boat slash the shark pop. You know, like, let's wait. Let's just let's let's let that cook a little bit, you know. Well, I I want to believe that it was <laughs> it was in the movie before the town hall meeting Mm -hmm. and they cut it so that his big reveal as a character could be nails on the chalkboard. Yeah. And the place goes quiet and everyone turns and just looks at him and he's just sitting there in all his glory. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't know if that, if that's why that scene was cut. I don't know if it was going to happen after that scene or not, but yeah. I'm, I'm if it if it did come before the town hall, I'm glad that they cut it yeah. Yeah. to let the town hall be his his big entrance into the film. Yeah, that and, was and just, that was one of the scenes where I almost lost John because he doesn't like uh, <laughs> he doesn't like the sound of um, when you kind of rub something on styrofoam. He hates that sound. Mm. And mm-hmm. then and then when it because in school they've never had chalkboards. So yeah. when, when the guy's running his you know, when Quint's running his fingernails and he's just sitting there in his chair going, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 Make it, it was stop. it was that it was that when Quint got eaten. You know, those were the two scenes where I feel like I almost lost my child, but Yeah. Quint uh 
Quint was a pretty cool character. So, so let me ask you a question because this just got posted up, and I think I texted it to you guys the other day. There's no, there's no explanation behind this. There's nothing further behind this. Um, but I just thought it was it was you know, obviously interesting timing because it's around about the time the movie came out for 45th anniversary, everything else. Um, Richard Dreyfuss's son tweeted the other day, and uh, I think on July 2nd. And said, one thing everybody, including my father, gets wrong about Jaws is that they all think Jaws killed Ben Gardner, but that's wrong. Ben Gardner was murdered by Quint, his local fishing rival. Now, mm-hmm. Quint is kind of... I heard that. Quint is kind of crazy. Um, you know, mm. he's he's grizzled, he's crazy, he's got some trauma in his past. Is Quint a murderer? Do you think, he, do you think his character has it in him to kill a rival fisherman? Um, I think it's possible. The reason I say it might be possible is because the fact that when just just where he blows up the the uh, or not blows up but shoots out the uh, the sound you know it's like the radio when he when he goes after it with the baseball bat you know you're already in trouble and you know you got something pretty big and he's like no no we ain't we're we're not doing that chief (laughs) and it's a little bit of something who's kind of a little bit of a um, a little uh, sociopath there a little bit yeah but murder yeah that's 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 a pretty big jump I mean. Well, but take it out and are we talking about killing someone? Are we talking about premeditated murder? Because Mm -hmm. while I agree the premeditated murder, maybe not, I could see him flying off the handle and hitting somebody with something like dude dying. Depends on the context of of right how it happened. Not a not a planned murder, but more some sort of yes heat of whatever. Like in that type of situation, I mean, the guy was you know he sit his fishing pole across his or something and he you know snapped and i'm trying to think of a think of a scenario where they would come to blows in the middle of the water but still that's why you don't cross that's why you don't cross the streams that's exactly right same same boat together and somehow he pushes the guy over somehow too yeah that's true i don't i don't want to think of quint in that light because it it john john's the one who did it 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 makes but (laughs) it makes it makes the character less to me yeah uh, yeah i wonder what it left when he dies same, movie, same you, thing you, you when, uh, when he dies in in casablanca when you know when when you finally allow yourself to realize that rick and elsa slept together the night before what? elsa leaves with victor laszlo and it was like oh rick why would you do that <laughs> but and i guess i just come back to like the, the you mentioned casablanca and it's kind of like in that scene, there could be a case made for both ways, as I recall with Casablanca. And, you know, whether it's, well, they can't show what they wanted to show in the 40s or, you know, mm-hmm. and so that. But the, but for this, like, I guess, uh, where does this come from? Is yeah. it just, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, like, I mean, that would be as much of a jump as if I were to say, you know what? I think the Warren Commission got it wrong. I think was the second gunman on the grassy knoll you know i mean it's just like where where is this where where does this come from just because he's a a crusty old guy i mean i you know i i i I mean yeah and you have to keep in mind too that there were a number of versions of the script right spielberg himself had written his own script for the movie oh sure at one point so i mean is it an idea that was floated in his script or just and I and they, they were constantly almost every night meeting back in Spielberg's bungalow, a group of them, and going over new lines for the next day. Oh yeah. So and, the, and, the script was always evolving. So maybe it was an idea at one point that was thrown out there. But 
Sure. Well, do you remember? Do you remember when we happened upon that web page where they showed the transcript of the it, to the discussion of Indiana Jones? You remember that when they were brainstorming ideas, that thing, and it was like, oh no, my god, no, that, that that's that you're that trying to exist. block it out. That doesn't exist. But it was like one of those things. Like, what are you guys like? What? Where? Who thought that was a good idea? I mean, you know, George Lucas. Yeah, you throw ideas out there like, hey, let's all go back to indoor dining. I mean, let's just do it. Come on. It's I'm done with this. You know, you just throw an let's idea out the schools, there. Full force in a month. Let's do what, it. Yeah. What could I go mean, wrong? I bet you warm weather. I bet you. No, but seriously, you know, I, I, I guess I could see where, you know, you know, you have these plot ideas, but then kind of like, yeah, OK, but I'm not going to go off of that. Like, I don't need to read Quint's backstory and all that. Like, I, I for one, am just. I am happy with like like the archetypes that this movie portrays. I mean, I love what Quint Quint represents. Um, it's 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 um, dramatic what Quint represents. I love what Hooper represents. You know, I mean, it's 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 Science. Inter- yeah, and but it, but him common and sense. common sense, but him and Quint like going at it like. Yeah, you might have all those things, but I'm right. Like, how powerful was that scene when he was right? And then suddenly Hooper was like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, you know, it, but there were times when, you know, Hooper was like, I, I'm getting in the cage. You're getting in the cage? Yeah. You go inside the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Nice. Sharks in the water. Our shark. You go in the mask. The mask goes in the building. COVID's in the building. You're in. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I digress. Uh, but. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. But it's. But, but I mean, but there was an interplay. And there was a point when Hooper wasn't necessarily like new at all. Like, there was a time like, yeah, kid, you got to step it up. And then, and honestly, Sheriff Brody um, or Police Chief Brody, was it Brody? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that was cool because like, Dude, the guy's, you know, he was a New York cop. Okay. He obviously had a good head on his shoulders. He was a good policeman. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I can do anything. I'm the chief of police. You've got a guy that's like, like, I almost found myself like, okay, who's my guy? Like, honestly, I'd love to say, oh, I'm Quinn. But then it's like, yeah, but I'm, but then it's sort of like, well, maybe I'd be like Sheriff Brody. Like he was consistently out of his comfort level, but he had to like step it up. You know, I mean, it, it just wonderfully written characters again i'm gonna i'm giving this the same thing the, the back to the future treatment i think this is a perfect movie like i don't want to hear any backstory where you know quinn was quint was killing people and this i, I mean i just I, I there's so much depth to these characters and the inner relations uh yeah so here, here's a story about robert shaw the scene in which he uh he straps himself into the chair with mm-hmm. the fishing rod Apparently, when the day that they shot that scene, he w- he had a horrible case of the flu, mm-hmm. to the point where like he could not be touched. He had to be like lowered into the chair, and uh, and to hear Richard Dreyfus tell the story is is, is something. But he and he goes on to say he goes, and we thought for sure like the shoot was canceled that day, and he just said no, no, let, let's keep going, and you know he's being lowered carefully, gingerly by two or three people into this chair. And Spielberg yells, "Action!" And all of a sudden, out of the no, out of nowhere, out of the depths of somewhere, all of a sudden he turns around in his chair. Hooper, he says, "Turn the boat around!" And he's coming around. 
he said it scared me half to death. We had no idea where that came from inside of him, considering he was so miserable. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dennis, were you, were you going to say something? No, I was just saying, John posed that, you know, that possibility of the, 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 the killing. And I agree, like that would have been a horrible misstep. And, and I think he comes, you know, in the beginning, you're not sure whether you like Quentin, you like something about the toughness, but then at some point, you know, you don't really completely feel for him. Like, a, you know, I think until they have that scene with all three of them, you know, at night when they're going through mm-hmm. the stories, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I don't want any three of these guys to, to die. Like, and I'm not saying you want him to die earlier, but he was a gruff sort of rough personality and you weren't really, I think, fully into his corner yet because he seemed to be doing, you know, like when he blows out the radio and all the other stuff, it's kind of like, okay, this guy's a jerk. He's going to get them all killed. Mm-hmm. His ego is too big. Like you don't like him. But then all of a sudden, once you have that story and you hear that backdrop of his story, um, that part makes you feel for him. And now all of a sudden yeah. his death later on is more, tragic for you versus had that happen without that scene in the, in the, where they're sharing the stories. Well, well I'll say the humor, they get bond. He's not, he's not such a bad guy at that point, you know? Yeah. I, but I'll, and I'll say this though. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because like, I mean, even since watching it, like Quint, Quint, even like Quint's always been my favorite character. I mean, like I've always, and, and it's like, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Smashing the radio. That probably wasn't so, but I mean, it's like, you kind of see like that's that guy's mission. Like it's all in, you know, I mean, I'll quote Bo's famous movie, you know, when Marco Ramius tells the story of Cortez burning his ships. So his men were well motivated. I mean, it's, it was kind of like, I mean, I, I don't, I know that was supposed to show his insanity, but I could see that like, yeah, no one's like, I'm it's me or this shark. Like I'm going after it. Like I'm not, I'm not looking for rescue. Don't need a bigger boat. I'm going to go until it's, it's, it's it or me. I mean, how, how different is that than like Rocky four when Apollo Creed says, you're not stopping anything. No, I got to stop this fight. No, you're not stopping anything. No, no, I'm going back in there. It's it's it's, Ahab and Moby Dick. That's right. And uh, you know, when the shark starts to, you know, wax on wax off and all that, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's to both of those guys. Hey, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm not saying, but it's like if so. If my point is, there's a little bit of a hey, uh, kind of a um, um, a suicide. Uh, you know what's the what's the term? Um, not a wish. Uh, like, death like wish. A, death wish. Death wish type of thing. Where it's like, and and the thing is, is you're watching it though. And I, again, I'm thinking back to the first time I saw it. You don't know who these characters are. He's now out of the three. You're not. I don't, I mean, you are now because you know the movie and when you go back and you see it, yeah, Quint's the cool character. But when you didn't know how it was going to play out at the beginning, you know, like the first time you see it, he could be like one of those characters that we've seen in different movies. I was trying to think of a different uh, thing where somebody kind of sabotages stuff. Kind of happens in Alien or uh, like, you know, like where there's some people who just kind of for their own reasons, you know, uh, King Kong's another one where, you know, was it was it Jack Black's character? Like in the in the newer version, but there's always that guy who wants to have the, you know, it's the ego is involved. And meanwhile, your yep. ego is going to get a bunch of other people killed. You pull out, so you uh, pull out, pull out one of Pat's favorite movies to uh, Cypher from Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. So so the whole thing is you're thinking this this guy's kind of a jerk. Is he going to get these other people killed because of his ego? So you're thinking that and you at least I was like the very first time, you know, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, how I kind of felt. And then it wasn't until he kind of had that personality that you got to reveal more of him as a human being as opposed to the egotistical fisherman who needs to capture the big fish. 
you know. Yeah. By the time he, by, by the time now he smashes back, the radio, oh. do you do you think that maybe he, in his mind, radio or not, none of us are coming out of this alive? I, I, I don't know. Like, like, do you think maybe in in his own head he realized like we're all gonna die? This thing, there's no beating this thing. I don't. I don't. I know. I think it was more of a challenge. I think it was more of a challenge of the of the moment. You're not going to like, this is my fisherman's the, dream challenge. The and shark like represents said, all the sharks out there that have been haunting him. Exactly. And like Pat said, like, you know, when he, I think it was, or maybe it was you, Jeff, we were saying where, when he was, you know, with, with when he was on and, and he sees the, 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 the little keg, the yellow keg light things are the buoys and stuff are like attached to him. It's coming around again. You realize, okay, like this shark, shark is not just a normal shark. Like this is like I have met. He's got a little bit of like before. Con- he has. He's more confident about how he's going to kill the shark. Even back to the nails and the chalkboard. Like I'll get you shark for you. I'll do it. And now all of a sudden it was kind of like oh. Shit. And I think there was that moment. And then at that moment he's got a challenge. And his challenge is: Are we going to back away from this challenge and be like little, you know, like like like, um, not manly enough and and face this challenge are we gonna go back and get a bigger boat or call more people he's like no like this is the shark that i have never met this is the shark that's got this big challenge for him and his almost manhood his ego is like so i have to do this and yes i might die and we may die but i don't i'm not giving up yet and i don't want any help either i felt it was like this independent streak of him that was like i'm gonna take care of this yeah i might die during it because this sucker is pretty bad but I'm not going down without a fight. And I felt like he was, he, he, while he didn't think they were going to die, it was at that moment that he was okay willing to die for the shark, I guess, might be the yeah. best way of saying it. Yeah. See, and I, I see the, the radio thing. I saw the radio thing is not like a premeditated or like, I'm just going to do that. I think, I think he just lost his temper, to be honest. I mean, I have sometimes been known to lose my temper myself. And then suddenly it's like, oh, why did I do that? Does it I saw that. Does it calmly though? Yeah, yeah. Like he, he doesn't he's do not, it like in a temper of fire. I no, I, d- I just, I think I, I disagree. He was saying the whole time, I don't want a crew. There's too many captains. This is my boat. Okay. Well, I'm just, well, you might be the chief, but this is my boat. And I mean, the chief was kind of like, that's it. That's it. That's, I mean, the whole situation was going up and up and up. And the chief's like, that's it. We need this. We need this. And it was just like, all right. But at that's that it. point, gonna... the chief is sort of right in the sense of like wisdom um, of like, like, we're in over our heads here. Well, I'm just going to say this. The times, then, I, the, times, the, the times, the times, the times, the times. But then it was like, no, we're, we're in over our heads right now. Yeah. I'm calling. And it was like, no, you're not. I, see, and I'm, I'm just going to say the times I've lost my temper wisdom really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just saying, usually that's why I'm usually feeling like, oh, because I, I wasn't thinking clearly. And that's the thing is, is uh, I, I just, um, I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying that was the, a good move. You know, I think um, he, he kind of tricks him, doesn't he? in this doing something else, drawing his attention away so he can do that. Is that what happens? In it? I'm trying to think. No, he storms off like the no, shark. No, no, no. Like I'm saying, like like when when Quint does that, doesn't he ask Brody to do something to get him away, or, or did he just come in and shoot it? Couldn't remember. He just comes in and shoots the radio, right? No, no he, he doesn't bat- shoot the radio. He, he hit it with, the, it with a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah. A baseball bat. Yeah. I think the shark. I think the shark had just torn the 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 uh, cleats off the back of the um. Yeah. Off the back of the orca, and that's when and Brody's like, "That's it. We're out of here. That's you know, run, run, you know," and. I, I think the guy, yeah, I think the guy was just, 
Yeah, he was just he was just driven to the end. He was I mean, it was almost it's kind of like the Captain Ahab thing. You know, it's well, and I think several I think there's been several instances of people making that connection between him and Ahab. And I think you've also got, you know, going back to his story of the Indianapolis, he was one of the few survivors of that. So I almost feel like as he's going out on the boat, it's either I'm going to come back with this shark. I'm going to come back with this shark's body. I'm going to kill the shark. I'm going to conquer it. Or I'm going to get taken by this shark. And you know what? If I do, then I join the rest of my, you know, Navy buddies who got taken by sharks years ago on the Indianapolis. But either way, I'm not planning. Either I come back with the shark or I don't come back at all. It's an all or nothing kind of a deal. So I don't want anybody calling for help. I don't want anybody interfering with this. It's a lot of money at stake. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably, I think for him, he's not expecting to either come out of this alive or, you know, he'll, he'll come home with the shark or not at all. Mm-hmm. And there's no other options for him. Yeah. So, and, and maybe it's, I'm not saying it's kind of a suicidal thing, but it's maybe more of a, you know, if this is my final battle, I'm going to go down fighting these sharks that have plagued me and haunted me for my entire life. Yep. And it's, it's, it's really, it, it kind of shows a different mindset and I got to be careful. Cause I mean, I don't, I haven't had to live through any of those types of things. I've never had to live through a war, a sinking, you know, a shark attack. I've never had to live through those things, but it almost reminds me of, you know, I'd read about like racing race car drivers and, you know, the guys back in the, the, well, you know, Bo, you were talking about watching Ford versus Ferrari. I mean, and they talked about, um, uh, not, I want to say, um, what's the driver's name? Um, what was the guy's name? The, um, I, f- I forget his name. Anyways, the guy that they, I, that they hired to drive, he drove tanks in the second world war. And so they talk about a lot of these old race car drivers and, it's it's very easy, and I want to be careful to our listening audience that I'm not getting into the glorifying this. But I mean, when you look at the perspective of okay, well, these guys were driving tanks in a war, or flying fighter planes in a war, or flying bombing missions where attrition was you know seventy percent. You know, it's kind of like that whole living with death or facing death. That was a constant thing, and I'm not saying that that makes you the most rational or it's calm or it's, but I think that was just the idea of that you know, his whole life was going out and facing, facing death. And this was kind of no different. And he tried to tell him like, Hey, I'm the captain. This is the way to go. And that was kind of like we said, you know, peeling back the layers and realizing who these characters were. And uh, it was like, Oh boy, this, that's like a different outlook. And it, maybe it is a little bit of madness. Maybe he's not thinking rash, you know, um, but it's, it's, it, that's what I was reminded of is it's like, well, how, how could, how could people like get into cars and race them when there were no roll cages and hospitals that, you know, staff waiting, that was basically a gas can with four wheels and a big motor. And it was like, oh, well, this was what they had lived in the war. So really, you know, that, that constant, that death being a constant threat was kind of always there. And that's kind of the feel that I got off of, you know, watching, watching Quint. Yeah. So I, I don't know why, I mean, I think that was maybe just somebody, well, it was Richard Dreyfuss' son, but I'm almost thinking that that was just, you know, put up there to be provocative in some way because there's no other explanation. I'm like, yeah, you, if you say something like that, you got to follow it up with some evidence or some facts or something because to me that's not within, maybe to a degree it could be within that person's character, but it just it doesn't seem to jive with the character I know from the movie. So, 
Um, do we have a, so I want to ask this one. Do you have a favorite uh, shark attack scene in the movie? Is there a favorite death? Is there a favorite scene in particular when the shark attacks? And maybe it's not one where somebody dies. Maybe it's one of the ones where, uh, you know, the shark is coming at them on the boat. Um, do you have a favorite scene featuring the shark attack in this movie? I like when it knocks on the door and says, flowers. Candy Graham. <laughs> Candy Graham. You know, that was. You're that shark, aren't you? No, I, I'm just a dolphin, ma'am. Oh, okay. That's all right then. The Jaws Lagoon scene. Yeah. Mm. Mitch with Michael, the the son, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes around. I think that one is the one I always remember. The kid just is in shock, and then you know, and shark out there, and then all of a sudden it's in the it's the girl. It's it's in the lagoon. She can't talk, <laughs> She's, yeah. which is which is so true though. Like when people are like panicking, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who can't. You just in dreams. That's like when I have a dream, and there's like I can't talk in the dream. I'm trying to yell and scream and warn people, but you can't. You know, and it's like the same thing there. So that scene, I think, was I, I always like the lagoon scene where he's, he's swimming in the lagoon because the parents are like, you know, go play in the lagoon. It'll be safer mm-hmm. there. And, yeah. you know, and, and it was For me, it might be Chrissy's death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because right off the bat, like, all of a sudden you're sitting going, what in the hell is this thing? And it, uh, the, yeah. the, the way her body thrashes mm-hmm. so it, violently. It's oh, so, it's so unnatural. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I got to I got to be honest like I don't know about you guys but any of that stuff where you don't see the thing that's moving the body around they did it in Jurassic Park yeah. they did it in this they whenever you don't see the thing yeah. I mean it's always like ah you know mm-hmm. yeah. so to to your point Jeff to your scene that you're talking about yeah that cuz that's me too I mean that's the the scene where Quint gets eaten at the end you know that's that's obviously a great scene you know but I don't know. It just for me, I, the, uh, I think it's the, 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 it's the it's the Chrissy one too. Because I mean, that one's like you said, it's right off the bat. It's the first four minutes of the movie. It's it's just so visceral. Like there's the the guys on the dock with the roast. <sighs> yeah, that's a good yeah. one too. Yeah. And and all of a sudden you you see the the dock turn around mm-hmm. and start coming back into shore. Yeah. And they're like, come on, you're almost here. Come on, keep swimming, keep swimming. Yeah. And you realize, and someone said this, and I think it was maybe Spielberg even said it, that because they couldn't use their big fancy robotic shark, they had to do some other things. And you realize when you watch mm-hmm. that scene, all you're is, is a guy being chased by a hunk of dock. Well, th- but your th- mind makes it so intense. That was one of the scenes from his draft of the movie that he really wanted to, to keep in. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were two scenes that he, that he wanted to try to work, make work that was the one that that made it into the movie the idea of you don't see the shark but the the visual of of the dock turning around in the water and all of a sudden heading yeah, back toward back, towards the shore that moment where the sh- yeah mm-hmm. yeah where that dock comes back and turns around that's just class yeah it's good yeah because it does it goes out and then suddenly the oh, dock yeah. just starts turning around you know um yeah yeah the, the one at the beach and you know like where i'd like I think it's still famous for that, that uh, they call it a trombone shot. You remember uh, where he's sitting in the chair? I think there's an old man. Oh, talking. yeah. And it's that yeah. trombone shot, which I don't know if you guys remember what that is or know mm-hmm. what that is. That's the scene where you are moving the camera in while going wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really yeah. weird visual look at with uh, with uh, Brody. He's yeah. sitting there and I think his wife's like rubbing his shoulders or something like that. Yeah. He sees, he sees I think, somebody with blood just like. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure it's the blood right before where it's yeah. There's there's a guy. Well, and it's leading the, up to that, you you do the you do the wash of the of the people walking across the screen, and every time someone walks across the yes. screen, the the camera comes a little bit closer to him. Yeah. And then same thing. Go, you know, someone go goes across the screen, and the camera's focusing more on somebody in the water. So you're, you're, it's setting you up to see, you're looking exactly at what Brody's looking at, that he's focused on something and all of a sudden the screaming and, and then that trombone shot. And you're just like, yeah, blood shooting all over the place. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. When, when Alex Kittner gets yeah. it. Yeah. And then it's the zoo. Yep. And that, that shot is just quite, I remember that one from this. We actually did that somewhat in uh, the band director. I'm not, I, don't I'm remember, I don't remember the shark attack scene. No, there's not a shark attack scene, but there's some, what I attempted to do was my generic form of a trombone shot, and I thought it would be cool to see. That's the scene where you guys are in the library. You got your sword. He's got the sword out. You got your nunchucks out. And then all of a sudden, you're about to run at each other. As you guys run towards each oh, other, yeah. the camera, yeah. I'm moving towards you, and I'm also zooming out at the same time. So it kind of gives this little optical sort of kind of that it's the same sort of technique obviously cool. not uh I, I felt it looked cheesy just running at the camera so i tried yeah. to do a little bit of a dynamic movement that's cool man and that comes back to that trombone shot from that's hitchcock cool. hitchcock has, had also used it um, I, well, well that was gonna yeah. be my question um other than the then spielberg hitchcock matuch all the greats what um when was that no but seriously when does that shot in because i could see that as something that's like guys check this out and then everyone going that's awesome. Like the first time that hits, like audience is going, because it is such an effective, it is yeah. such an effective thing. Do you know like when, who was the first or what movie or? I think Vertigo was Hitchcock. the one that I was aware of. Vertigo yeah. with Hitchcock was with um, was the one that I remember the most. Yeah, that's one of the earliest ones. I don't know if there's anything before that, but I know definitely that was uh, Vertigo Yeah, with, um, what's his name in it? Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. Stewart, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say that that shot. Oh, you know what? Also, uh, blah 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 blah. Psycho, psycho, down the stairs. When what's his name? Uh, the one, the t- detective guy is going up the stairs and he gets stabbed and he does the fall. I think it's kind of there. It, there's a similar. Oh, it may okay. not. I don't know if it's exactly a trombone shot, but it's a, definitely that weird sort of as he's falling down with the blood on his forehead. I think that one either it may not be a complete trombone shot, but it's a similar visual effect type of thing with the camera where it gives you the same feeling of like. Uh, According to terror. Google, it was originally conceived by Alfred Hitchcock and Vertigo. It was stolen by Spielberg for Jaws. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, uh, stolen uh, seems to be a harsh term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Pays that was tribute to. I would, that, uh, that's on uh, whatever this website is that I'm looking at. Okay. I, um, anything about me stealing it for band director in there? I'm just curious. Uh, there's a footnote. <laughs> you escalated it. You escalated it. I got to keep scrolling all the way down to the bottom of the page. I don't know. It's that one article, elderly school filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say that scene where Alex Kittner gets eaten by the shark. Um, it's funny because that that scene is so uh, uh, amazing in this movie because i mean it's just like the oh it's fine it's a beautiful day you know you're outdoors the virus can't get you go in the water all those kinds of things were going on and then all of a sudden it and as it you happened. can see the beaches are open you're right and it's it's like and then you've got that you know it's the fountain of blood and 
but not gratuitous. I mean, intense, but, and it's funny because Tammy not seen, I'm like, oh, you got to check the scene out. And then I got to be honest with you. I'm going to say it at a bit of a clip because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to get a little choked up. This is the first time I think I've really seen this movie. I mean, I've seen it since I was a parent, I think. Maybe not, but as a parent, and all of a sudden his mom is running out there mm-hmm. and she realizes her son's not coming in. And I'm just like, uh, that that was a pretty powerful scene. If, you know, I'm, if, that whole thing was. If you've ever been anywhere and you're looking around and your child is not around, not within sight, <laughs> and you're yeah. like, uh, wait a minute. Hold on. They were, where are they? They're not. And then that like that panic sets in. So you can, yeah. you can just, you can feel what she's feeling, feeling yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, if that was me, if, if I was Mrs. Kittner, he's lucky he only got the backhand. Yeah. I mean, it would have like, I mean, I would have shut his head in the dang door. I mean, it's, it's just like, and then the mayor right after him. Cause it's like, you knew, you knew, right. You knew. Okay. Just, just making sure we're all clear on that. Funny story on the IMDb uh, trivia page. Actually, the first entry <clears throat> on the IMDb trivia page uh, says several decades after the release of Jaws, uh, Lee Fierro, who played Mrs. Kintner, uh, Kintner, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the menu had an item called the Alex Kintner sandwich. She commented that she had played his mother so many years ago, and then the owner of the restaurant heard about this, ran out to meet her, and it was Jeffrey Voorhees who had played Alex Kintner. Really? <laughs> was the owner of the restaurant. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And apparently, according to this, they had not seen each other since the movie, since they had shot their scenes together wow. in the movie. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's fun. And she slapped him. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and that that take, that was, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 or something like that takes to get that slap right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and she brought it every time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that poor Knocked guy. Knocked his glasses to... off once, I think I read. Yeah, yeah. Roy mm-hmm. Schneider said, "Just don't don't worry about." Like, I guess at one point, she, you know, she had apologized to him, and he was like, "No, don't. Just just keep doing it. You're fine." Yeah, I um, I uh, they probably need to do it a couple times to Robert Shaw after hearing how drunk he was on the set. <laughs> <laughs> Did you I, speaking of, speaking of takes and something happening, uh, kind of in in one or two takes, did you hear or had you read about uh, the USS Indianapolis speech, what had happened with mm-hmm. that scene? Mm-hmm. That he was so, because he, he had a drinking problem and he would mm-hmm. drink in between takes on the movie and they did the scene because they're supposed to be drinking while they're talking on the boat and apparently half of that speech was just unintelligible by the time they got done with it and I, I guess, I don't know, Steven Spielberg had a come to Jesus moment with him uh, and some of the other crew did as well. And the, the other cast. And I guess he kind of came back the next day and he's like, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. Give me one more chance. And then they sat down and did the whole thing in one take. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about favorite scenes or you know what, but, and I know I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but, uh, or uh, what a powerful scene that was. And I think, I mean, I thought his delivery was incredible. I thought, I thought all three of them, I thought all three of them just, just made that. And then, I mean, we're just going to go down the list, the music, the lighting, the everything. I mean, the way they did that and uh, the way they built into it too. 
Hey, have you seen this one? Hey, check out this one. Check out this one. Hey, how about here? And then all of a sudden, the sheriff kind of pulls up his shirt a little bit and kind of looks down to see, well, I kind of have a little scar, you know. It, 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 so you had a little bit of humor. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, what's that one? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And they're all laughing. And uh, as a tattoo I had removed, and, and he just rolls right into it. He doesn't make a mask. He says, you know, it was of the USS Indianapolis. And all of a sudden, like, you know, it was the record scratch, you know, the record needle scratch where, you know, um, Hooper was like, wait, what did you just say? You know, and yeah, it's, uh, it seemed like it's like Brody, Brody didn't know the story of the Indianapolis. Yeah, which was that your perception watching this as well, that that, that Brody was bro, I mean, this this little contest, it was kind of like a pissing contest for <laughs> more for for Quentin Hooper. Yeah. Um, and then when, uh, you know, when he when Brody tries to get in on, it, he's like, "Oh, and, and what's that one there?" He goes, "That was a tattoo removal." Yeah, Indianapolis. You see Hooper's immediate reaction, like, "Yeah, what? whoa, what?" Yeah, and the, the way that the scene to me read is like Brody didn't know. He he had never heard. Yeah, well, and that's where again, like, he was out of his element. Donnie. Yeah. And, and that's where I thought his that writing was so but he wasn't the buffoon. He wasn't the 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 court jester. It was just and there's times, you know, like he, he was very skilled and educated in some areas. But now he's out. of He's the everyman. He's out of his depth. He's trying to like this is a this is a world that is brand new to him. And, you know, ancient sea stories and sea shanties and you know i got bit here i got tacked here you know um yeah so the lore and that that story of the us and uss indianapolis um you know he i think there he functioned as well i i, I don't want to be arrogant i mean i i grew up hearing that story so i i mean i i would assume everyone would have heard that story but i mean he kind of played the person that goes well no well everyone seems to be in awe of this like i'm the odd man out what happened here um but but the looks on those guys' faces, I mean, Hooper's and, you know, Quint, when he just suddenly gets that thousand eye, thousand yard stare mm -hmm. and suddenly, you know, this is kind of like what we were talking about before. He's, his character is unveiled. OK, now this explains a little bit more maybe the madness or the vendetta or the death wish or the whatever. Well, you I wonder wanted. if that story of like where in that story, he talks about how there was no because it was a secret mission because the uh, the atomic bomb that there was no distress signal, there was no communication back. So does that also go back to the whole like some sort of, uh, I don't know, dealing with demons with him bashing the radio later and now there's no distress signal, there's no help, there's mm. no nothing and it puts him in that same um, mm. same battle against the sharks that yeah. killed so many of his buddies back then and I don't know, I don't know, just weird. Well, and, and the reveal in Quint's little sea shanty where he's got know, hundreds of, of shark jaws yeah, yeah. displayed. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. clearly this this is a guy that has a vendetta. Yeah. It, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, almost like he's been always trying to get back um, of what happened at that night, you know, and, and mm -hmm. his buddies and all the people that he lost. And, and it's the shark is the villain. So he's got to, and this is the ultimate one that he's got a chance here now. So he's going to put himself back in those same waters, but this time he's going to kill the shark. I don't know. Like I just just think of that, but yeah, I, I, I love the shot too in the in as they're taking off on the orca. Yeah, and the the camera is in Quint's place, and it's it's looking through a set of jaws. Yeah, as the orca's going out to sea. God, what a beautiful shot. Yeah. 
just like when after the shark attack and he got his son out of the water and he was in shock and he looked and they, they were like zooming out underneath the bridge. I thought that was another, not as powerful as the one you're referring yeah. to, but like that was another one that just Don't really. Like we're going to have to deal with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. One oh, and like not, not only, not only we're going to have to, but now you're looking at out to see how do you deal with this thing? Yeah. 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 We're going in. It's, we got to go. I, we got to go there. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to be honest. I, you know, it's funny. And, uh, you know, maybe this is maybe this is 45 years later sensibilities and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting because like painting the shark as a villain where I think, you know, someone in Quint's perspective from Quint's perspective. Yeah, this this shark is a villain. And I think it was interesting, you know, even the trailer and I hadn't heard the trailer. They described the trailer as direct from hell this thing is a demon this and it's kind of like well no it's just we're in its territory i mean it's kind of like you know that's that's just kind of the way you know that's like going up out in the wild and getting attacked by a grizzly bear and then saying well what the heck you know it's like the thing's not evil it's just you wandered into its feeding zone and i thought you know, I was really kind of watching that movie, the movie this time too, like, okay, are we, how they paint it? And even when, when Hooper was describing it, I thought did a pretty good job of saying, um, you know, basically this thing is an eating machine, just kind of breaking it down in layman's terms. And I, I have to be honest, I'm glad that in the, that in the trailer, they kind of painted this as this sick, sinister, destructive, man-eating beast. And it's like, okay, it's a, it's a wild animal. And yeah, it's terrible that it's, it's killing people and we got to take care of it, but they didn't seem to focus on, okay, this thing is like, you know, direct out of hell um, in the movie. And I'm kind of glad because I think that, like I said, this might be 45 years on sensibilities, but that's why I think this movie can hold up is because it kind of, it kind of toes the line. It doesn't quite step over into demonizing the shark. The shark is just an animal. That's just kind of what it is. Well, and they, and I, they do make that case for it in the movie. However, I still think the walk away from so many people, and, and, and I've heard some environmentalists, you know, and people. Yeah, who, yeah, uh, yeah. It said, you know, basically it's got the bad rap from from Jaws, and right. a lot of people feel like this is the one, you know, oh, we could save the dolphins, but, you know, the shark, we could just don't worry about killing the shark because look what they did back in Jaws, you know. Right. It's kind of like it's the, that's the bad guy, where mm-hmm. when you really watch during Shark Week, if you've ever watched that, I think those things have done a, a nicer job of, of kind of, I think, you know, breaking down those myths about what the shark actually is, what it does, how it, how it actually is. Right. And, and, and I think it gives it a, a little bit more of a, uh, a, a softer, softer face to it, yeah, that it's yeah. not out to just kill people and eat people and most of the time right. it takes people as a as a seal or something like that versus uh that usually that's why they bite and then leave because they're mm-hmm. like up oh, this isn't what i want <laughs> you yeah. know and yeah. and that's why and it's unfortunately the injuries are 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 because the person bleeds to death you know um yeah. from that one bite if they get bit in the wrong place or an artery it's not so much the shark just goes and eats people you know and swallows them whole all the time it's not really what typically happens well it's right. what in and the that, in the trailer that you know the way it described it, it's the perfect over millions of years of evolution yeah. and like all this yeah. it yeah. made me think of that line in the terminator and it was always like one of my favorite lines in the terminator um when kyle reese is talking and he's like look it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead and it like, just runs programs right yeah and right. uh, like Quint's story too yeah. with the eyes where he's saying about the black eyes right. and that rolls up in your head when it sinks and it's you know so that like yeah 
Yeah. And again, and I'll say like, I mean, I totally hear you, Dennis. And like I said, I, I, w- I was trying to soft pedal because I, did, I didn't want to like start up. Well, this movie's out of date. You know, I didn't want to like. No, I mean, but I get Hooper, I know I get where gives you the balance. Right. Exactly. Because Quint's a guy like he saw, Quint's, you know, 800 of he, his buddies. He, so yeah. that's what. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And, and gives uh, it the balance. And Brody's like kind of like us in the middle going. Wow. I just got to make sure the kids, the kids aren't getting eaten, you know? Yeah. Anybody have a problem with Temple of Doom? <laughs> you know what? Hey, I was, you know what, Jeff, I just want to mention before you jump in here, the fact that this is yet another movie with a great white shark. Oh, and- God. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, then now this is really good. Every time I start talking about sharks. Hey, I was just wax on wax off over there. Shut up. (laughs) I was I was just about to say that I think the great white shark is even an endangered species. But now after John's comment, I can't I'm not even going to go with that. Have you seen um, um, uh, the 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 um, the shark thing? There's a uh, I think a scientist or something. She'll go swimming with these like great white sharks. And she's like studied them and stuff. And there's like these really awesome video and she's like, like swimming next to the sharks. And and again, it's like just understanding where we fit in with the whole thing. And it's kind of like, well, we're, 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 we're going into their territory. And well, and again, most of the shark bites aren't somebody underwater swimming with them who gets attacked. Somebody on top of the water mimicking a seal, which Mm -hmm. is its normal prey. And that's where the shark taps attacks typically happen it's it's usually not a situation where it's like underwater it's actually you are safe for underwater they just go right past you most of the time it's most that kicking and moving and giving it kind of see you know that's what they think they mistake you for another for another um meal that they do want yeah it's like they taste you and they go nope not what we really wanted yeah another scene in this movie that i i really like i've i've well so i've always liked it but now that I have kids, I really enjoy it is when they're at the dinner table and the son starts copying all, oh, of, yeah, all of Brody's yeah. movements. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know what it's supposed to add or what it's supposed to tell to the story, but I just, I love it so much. And the, yeah. the sincerity and the sweetness of it. That's um, you can watch JJ uh, Abrams does a Ted talk. And he bring, he actually shows that scene. So when you watch his do, do a mystery box, JJ Abrams, and watch it, he'll talk about that scene and how it's his favorite scene in all of Jaws too. You know, he says about how ET is about divorce, about you know this is about you know a family that's trying to keep things together and stuff too. And and there's that moment where that kid and the line is um, when he's like, "Give me a kiss," and he's like, "Why?" or something. He's like, "Cause I need one," and that's the line. Yeah, I need one. It's a great line. And the I'm watching it off in the distance. And he's just like sitting there and just in his mode and the kid just is there. And it's just like, yeah, doing the same face and everything else. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, that's, that's J.J. J. 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 Abrams' um, favorite scene in the movie. Well, so Spielberg allowed the cast to do a lot of improvisation throughout the cool. film. And that was one of the things that came out of the improvisation. Well, in between takes, I guess, the, they were sitting there and the kids started copying uh, Roy Scheider's movements. And Roy's sitting there going, oh, this is interesting. So he kind of kept it up a little bit. And uh, either he or he got someone to go get Steven Spielberg and be like, hey, watch, watch this for a second. And did it again. And the kid just mimicked everything and was having a good time with it. So Spielberg was like, that's it. Somebody go get a camera. Let's set it up right here. We're going to shoot this. 
and just on the spot decided to include that in the movie. So they were constantly doing improvisational rewrites. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, of course, the, the line we're going to need a bigger boat is an improvised line. What probably one of the most well known improvised lines in, in all of movie history. We're going to need a bigger boat. What I didn't know is that that was not the first time that he said that. The first time that he improvised that line was right after Jaws had gone back in the water while he was still at the back of the boat. And, you know, Spielberg was like, people are going to be screaming loud enough that they're not going to hear that line. So he developed that scene where he all of a sudden is walking backwards away from the back of the boat and then drops the line to give the audience a chance uh, to, to quiet down. Yeah. So they could hear the line because Spielberg loved that line so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great. And Jeff, the, the scene that you loved, it's awesome. Awesome scene. And I mean, think of everything that it establishes, like everything you really need to know about Brody as a, as a, as a human being is in that scene, right? Just mm-hmm. him watch, just watch. like, I don't need to recap the whole scene, but I mean, everything you really need to know about him right there yeah. as a, as a husband, you've got scenes for that as a father, you've got scenes for that. And then that way, when, you know, he, he puts that, that's where the, the, you know, the, the three, you know, Quint Hooper and Brody, you know, now, you know, kind of where he's coming from with that whole thing. Now, do you hear my audio? If I play something now, I'm just curious if you hear it. Remember and expect from Jaws. And- do you hear that or no? Yeah. 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 You do. Okay. So this is what uh, JJ Abrams says about that really quick. Just, just before it's, it's really short though. He's being eaten. There's a shark. The thing about Jaws is it's really about a guy who is sort of dealing with his place in the world, with his masculinity, with his family, how he's going to, you know, make it work in this new town. This is my fa- one of my favorite scenes ever, and this is a scene that you wouldn't necessarily think of uh, when you think of Jaws, but it's, a, it's an amazing scene. So, yeah, he goes on that whole scene, and then at the end, let's see. Give us a kiss. Why? Because I need it. Come on, why? Because I need it. Best scene ever, right? <laughs> so you think of Jaws. So that's the kind of stuff that like, uh, uh, you know, it, the investment of character, which is the stuff that really is inside the box. You know, it's why when people like do sequels or, or, or rip off movies, you know, of a genre, they're ripping off the wrong thing. You're not supposed to yes. rip off the shark or the monster. You gotta rip off, you know, if you rip something off, rip off the character, rip off the stuff that matters. I mean, look inside yourself and figure out what is inside you. Cause ultimately, you know, the mystery box uh, is, is all of us. So anyway, so yeah. So just a quick take when you brought that whole scene up, I just thought of that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Like I said, now that I have, not only now that I have kids, but Tom, Thomas is at an age now where that's something that he'll do. Well, when we're sitting at the table is he'll start to mimic some of our movements and, and, I don't know. It just, it takes on a whole new level. And then it, you know, he followed up with, you know, give us a kiss. Why? Because I need it. Like, Oh God, does that well, just it's pull like your heartstrings? Him just staring at a table, you know, and you could tell like there's something going on and the wife can't really say anything. And, you know, and she's looking at that whole conversation and it's the little, the innocence of the little kid who can, somehow doesn't understand it on a psychological level, but maybe on a deeper instinctual level kind of, or just, it just somehow it works where it's, uh, yeah. it's it's what he needed at that time. And the innocence of the kid was able to do that, that no other adult could talk to him what he was going through at this point. He's fallen apart. 
He's in this new town. He's doing a job of it, it seems, because of this shark, you know, and, and all, all hell's breaking loose and he doesn't know what to do, which is right and what to do is wrong. He's got the fear of the water. He's got, you know, is he really a police officer? He's, you know, he gets slapped and like, it's, it's not been a good week. <laughs> and and, and what, what, what brings him back and what means something to him is, is his family. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a good scene. Have any of you guys uh, read the book at all? I have not. I've thought about reading that because yeah. No, I the the extent of my knowledge is I, I did a Google search a little while back and looked up some of the differences between the book and the movie, but I've never read the book. I I started it I think last year and put it down, and then because of life, never picked it back up again. Um, but you know they, they they took a lot of stuff out of the book for the movie. And just made this purely about this is man versus shark or deeper than that. This is man versus himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess, you know, part of the, in the novel part of it, you know, uh, Mrs. Brody has an affair with Hooper. Yeah. And the mayor, the, the, the uh, Island is underrun by the mafia, which is why the mayor is so hesitant Mm. to shut things down. And, you know, I guess it kind of gets the, in the novel, all that gets kind of convoluted. And when they decided to make this a screenplay, it was like, no, this is just going to be about this shark and the effect that this shark has on the people in this, in, in this Island community. So I think that did a lot to help make the movie work mm-hmm. to cut out all the other crap, all the other distraction to the story and just said, no, this, we're going to keep it real clean, real simple. Isn't that amazing that like some movies seem to be better? Well, better than the book, maybe I you could say more effective well, see, of a it, story. And then some, it's like, why did they take that out? It's booked. Like when we told John's reading Harry Potter, don't watch the movies, John, read the books first. Isn't it just interesting that for some reason it, it, you know what I'm getting at? Like it's uh well, and I, I don't, I never read the book. I never finished the book. Right, so I don't, I don't right. know if it makes it a better story or not. I think it makes it a better movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know in terms of the novel. I mean, like, look, you know, look at Jurassic Park mm-hmm. and all the changes they made to, to Jurassic Park. It made for an excellent movie, but did it make for a better story than what, uh, what Crichton gave in the novel? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I was just curious if anyone has, uh, I have had the actually book read on my shelf. I've just never actually <laughs> opened it. I can see it back there, but that's about as close as I've come come to it. I picked it up at a book sale, you know, a library book sale along the way. I was like, "Oh, ten cents? Yes, I will own this novel and one day not read it." And and, and now every time Bo passes by the bookshelf, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. Hmm. <laughs> It's coming for you, Bo. So that would be a great gimmick for books. You put one of those little light sensors, and whenever someone passes it, trigger a sound. I'm in. Read me. (laughs) Somebody let me out of here. Uh, Who said that? (laughs) Who said what? Not the guy in our trunk from Goodfellas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, but this, yeah, so, this is just, it's such a fun movie. So can we find a way to sum up what is it that works about this movie 45 years later? 
Like, wh- why is it that we can, after all of us have seen this a handful of times, n- numerous times, lots of times, why does it still work? I think what is it about this that that completely holds up? I think it's what Pat started with. I, I think it's I think it's a combination of a couple of different things. I think when Pat started off, he's like, "This is a this is a story about human beings." You know, it's a story about people. It's about the human condition. I, Jeff, I think you said that too. It's it's about the human condition. It's that's why I think some of this is so timeless that you can watch this. And you know, we we cracked a joke about it. You know, a couple months ago um, when I made a comparison between you know a, a you know, a high ranking official in our nation talking about how things are going to be open by Easter. And, uh, you know, I actually even made a video and, and shared it with, with the guys. And, and it was a video where I had kind of superimposed, I had put the, um, the video of the mayor talking, but with the audio from this particular person's press conference. And then I flip flopped the two. So I had a picture of the, I had the video of the person's pre- press conference and him saying, you know, the, it's a beautiful day. The beaches are open. It's, you know, and it's stuff like that still happens. And still, you know, it's, it's, it's still going on. It's a different context, but it's still going on. So humans have not changed all that much. I think the other piece of it too is the monster movie side of this where, and I, and I think that's not always the focus is that part of this is a really effective monster movie, but it goes back to what I said about the Terminator piece. Like that's the one thing I love about the movie Terminator is it's an unstoppable killing machine and it's just, you know, you've, you've got the human aspect in that movie too, but sometimes you just want a, a great monster horror movie. And I think this movie does a great job of balancing those two pieces. I still, I get the quality story. I get the characters. I get, as we started off saying, it's the full package. You, you get the music. You get the, you know, the, the way the movie is structured. You, you get the technical pieces of it. And it just all works together so well and it's not really, you know, even though there are certain aspects of it that you look at and you go, oh, that's that's so 70s, it really isn't. Like, I could almost look at the other than the mayor's jacket uh, with the anchors on it, which I, I hope that exists somewhere because I, I almost want to get one. Um, but it, it's almost timeless. Like, you could almost pull that out and just... You could tell somebody uh, the, the clothing's a little retro, but sure, this happened last week. Yeah, I mean, and it's another thing that deals with people's fears. It's another great, I mean, people have, a lot of people have had a fear of the water. So it also taps into that element that that's something that we have to go. Like, like Nightmare on Elm Street tapped into the fear of nightmares, um, something you have to go to sleep, you know, and that, that's scary because do we have to go in the water? No, but you, you're going to probably at some point find yourself in the water whether you like it or not at some point. So tackling that fear of, of, of the water of, you know, your own, um, your own fears. And so I, I think that that human element, the characters like, a, and, and the, the interesting thing about it is that I think this movie is like so classic, so perfect in the sense that so many things went wrong. So many things didn't happen the way they were supposed to, that in the end, it, it somehow made it work because of that like it was like all the wrong things happened for the right reason in many mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. um and, and you had the right people doing the right jobs and 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 i know that you know like i said i i used to one of my sixth grade classes all my sixth grade classes would always see an edited version of this editing documentary and in it um steven spielberg you know talks about this movie and he talks about the power of editing in here and how he said you know 
thank God that Verna Fields, that was her name. I looked it up, Verna Fields, who they called Mother Cutter. She would work in her, you know, in her pool house and she would, you know, cut films the old fashioned splice way. And he said that they would go and they would um, literally uh, like they would have a contest where they would kind of like, here's where he would cut. Here's where she would cut. They'd grease, grease mark, uh, grease pencil market, you know, where he would cut. And he says, you know, he was always trying to keep more in and she was always cutting more out. And she was ultimately the voice of, you know, because that's what you want to have as an editor who's not tied to it. Because he says, I've been on that barge for weeks and months trying to get this shot. It better be in the movie, you know, where she's like, no, you know, cut it here. And he was saying it was always a couple frames that was the big difference. She was more in favor of showing less. He was more in favor of showing more because he was tied to the footage. And having that objective eye, he says, had, had he done it the editing himself he said instead of having something really scary you would have just in his words he said you would just have a big white floating turd and that was what Mm -hmm. he said it would have been so uh he says you know he gives so much credit to her obviously to music but he said her with the editing is like crucial because again and, and when you go back i noticed that more than anything if you look at that movie you think in this scene where they do show the shark if they show that shark just like a, a little bit longer, it does become almost a comical, fake, horrible shark. But when you just see just enough of it, but not too much of it, it's like, bam, she just nailed it. And, and I think mm-hmm. all those pieces, the music, John Williams soundtrack, everything just came together for this film. Like not, like you can't replicate that. You can't do that again. You couldn't have everything go wrong that went right. So there'd be no point in trying to remake this film. Um, you know, like years later or anything. So I think it's what makes it the ultimate classic. It's got every piece that you want. Suspense, the jump scare, humor, drama, seriousness, great storytelling, great actors, great performances, great editing. I mean, it's just, it, it, that's why it's a classic. That's why yeah. we're talking about it. That's why we're spending a whole podcast on that one movie um, how many years later. So, yeah. I mean, it, and, and kudos and, Spielberg. Yeah. And going down the list of, I mean, everything that you guys mentioned, going down the list, like you said, with the actors were really able to bring those roles, especially the three, the three main ones. actors. The characters that were written had such a depth to them that, and the actors were able to bring that out, whether it was a scene with their son or whether it was, you know, him talking about you know being on his boat and and you know crunching the coffee cup or the plastic cup when Quint crushes the beer can and he crushes it you know all those little things bring out the different layers <laughs> seeing yeah I don't you know and uh, um you know when he's like Hooper five points to port aye aye sir rah, 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 you know and he's just jawing at him but again they're able to bring those layers out in those characters and you see like all three of those characters really kind of go on a journey, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like, wow, that's those characters really, they progressed in this, this whole thing. And I mean, we spent what, a, a, I don't know how many minutes, 10 minutes arguing Quint. Wait, where are you coming from on him? Well, I see it this way. Well, I see it this way. Well, I don't really know. There's so much to these, these characters. They seem very living, alive, vibrant you know, well, Pat, it's like you were saying too. Like, you know, so you know, I I think I'm 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 a Quint. Uh, no, maybe I'm I'm a bit of a Brody. Uh, like they're they're all so real, right? That well, I knew you, I was you, you always... can you you can find some way to connect to them. Yeah, and yeah. I think I was always pulling for Brody. I always felt like I identified more with Brody and stuff. And then you see 
Um, and I don't know. And I, and I, I, if you go back and you watch, and I know this was brought up in other things too. And I noticed this, the more I've seen the film is, um, if you think about it, you've got the scientific expert on there to kill the shark. Then you've got the classic fisherman military guy who's there to kill the shark. And then you got this police officer, this guy, this sheriff who's there. And it kind of is like, in a way, the weak link throughout this whole story. But in the end, he's the guy who kills the shark. And yeah. the other two, the science and the brawn, don't get kill it. It was the brains. And if you think about it, he didn't know he was going in uncharted territory. And, and, and if you think back to the book, when he's researching and they're showing all the shark bites, he shows there's a picture of a shark with a... Um, with the uh, with the the, the air tank the, in its yes. mouth. Yes, yeah, yeah. I now noticed that. You have the end of the film where it was like the brains of the sheriff who did his investigative reporting about this beast and this this thing, and all of a sudden all these pieces are in place, and you see the floating the floating tank, and he's able to. How many of us would have thought about that? No one would have yeah. thought. I would never have thought about. It. I'm going to stick this tank in the shot, and I I know it's a bit of a far fetched to a certain degree, you know, in some ways thing that you get that shot, but um but but that having those pieces actually fall together if he doesn't look that research up and see that picture in that book does he still put that two and two together later i don't know yeah but he's like thinking if i can get that thing in that damn thing's mouth and i can put a bullet in it i'm gonna blow it. quick thinking from a police officer in a very quick split situation you know uh situation like that where his life's on the line so i mean um it's just a genius movie it's just yeah. I, and, and you know and, and again I'm, I'm not calling out any i'm not I am not calling out superhero movies, but it's cool seeing a movie from a Somebody different mute time. Him. <laughs> it's cool seeing a movie from a different time. To your point, Dennis, when it's like it's a regular dude, right? He's a regular guy. It's just, and and he's admittedly I, I don't like boats. I mean, You're I don't like being on boats. <laughs> yeah, and and he's well, and, you know, and that's why well, I think. And is he a wuss or well, like no, put any I'm of saying, us out of our? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. J.J. Yeah. Abrams saying about his masculinity being challenged to a certain degree. I mean, you got to think. I'm the sheriff. I'm supposed to be in charge, and I'm afraid of the water going yeah. out to tackle this darn thing. I mean, like I'm scared to death here. He's facing yeah. his fears. You know, yeah. and and it ultimately is in the water at the end and has to do this. And yeah, and I love the line when he's like, "You, you're afraid of the water, and you're the sheriff, or you're the chief of police on an island." Doesn't make much sense for a guy who hates the water to live on an island either. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. <laughs> but then the follow up is it's funny. You like they could have just let it hang there and been like, you know, like late night. What did they say? What did they, how did they describe it in, in Friendly Fire? Late night stoner conversation. Oh yeah, it only looks like an island when you're on the and and Brody and and Hooper just follows up with you realize that makes no sense. I mean, he just like shuts the whole thing down. So, Dennis, I'm gonna just jump back. If that was you uh, when the shark was coming up, I could see you in the boat and just saying, "Hold on a second. Have you ever thought of checking out a plant based diet or something like that?" And uh, like tried to give the shark some kind of like uh, uh, you know tofu or something like this some this sort stuff, of smoothie yeah like this stuff tastes just like a leg but 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 just try you know this one yeah <laughs> just try, i mean gardein. i could see yeah gardein <laughs> you got gardein like uh uh human human yeah. this is this is a, this is a veggie yeah I've uh, I've thought about making a movie but you know inspired by it but instead of a shark it's uh, I'm afraid of bikes <laughs> <laughs> oh man one man got on his bike and turned to get a cone. And well, I still there. have trouble with the Pee Wee Herman scene. One, <laughs> one, one person, person goes down anyways. Do when, he's, when he's riding in the park. Yeah, I meant to do that. 
I'm like, darn it, why can't I do that? <laughs> why can't I just oh, pop fish. up like Kiwi? Anyway, um, there was there was a, a shot in this movie, the final shot of the film, in in shooting order, that Spielberg didn't attend, and that was the shot of the shark actually exploding. I love this story. And um, he had been, I guess, agonizing for weeks about it. And I go, is it going to work? And he and Richard Dreyfuss were on the plane back to L.A. And, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfuss starts asking him how to go. He goes, well, they're shooting it right now. He goes, what do you mean right now? He goes, right now, they're shooting right now. He goes, well, why aren't you there? Spielberg says, I heard the crew might might try to do something to me or, or dunk me under the water or, or, or do something after the last shot. So I, I didn't want that to happen. So I just got out of there. And according to Richard Dreyfus, it became a tradition. And I guess Spielberg never attends the last shot of any of his movies. Yeah. Fire, you son of a... <laughs> the two only work together again in uh in close encounters so i don't know if it, if the tradition continued after close encounters but it'd be interesting to to find out if if that's hmm. just a superstition that spielberg has, has always followed or not and i know before we probably wrap it up to the uh the the one of the things too is uh we we're talking about with kids and and you know we we're saying about in the pool and kids knowing it and stuff um i was just thinking too with my kids that that was one of the most uh most loved and most dreaded games for me was we just, they called it, we played shark. I was the shark always. So that's why I dreaded it because I was always the shark. And in our neighborhood pool, I had to go from one end. They would kind of venture out. They had to get to a certain point, And then I had to try to swim really quick and they weren't fast as swimmers yet. Cause they were still little. And there was about a three year period for every summer. It was like, come on, dad, let's play shark. Let's play shark. And I had to go and grab them and pull them. And I mean, it exhausted the heck out of me. It was the most tiring thing being a shark. So look at um, you now. I know. <laughs> it was like, well, oh, do we have to play shark again? I, I was mean, like, kind of like thinking that, but it was like, all right. But like, my point is that that the 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 whole shark, you know, kind of even the the, the jaws piece of that. Like, even when they're older, they still wanted to play this game, and it was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And you can empathize. And you can empathize with the shark needing food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I understand just, how that goes. Just need a little bit of meat. That's all. <laughs> that's right. Well, you, the, leg, the leg is the easiest part to get too. I noticed in that game, you get mm-hmm. the leg, pull the leg, and yeah. sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. They, learned, they learned to swallow, uh, to, to to close their mouth while they're getting dragged under. They learned that you know and get some air. <laughs> so, John, what was John Ezra's reaction to the movie? He really liked it. Like he really liked it. Um, I was tr- I was trying to get it to the point where I, I wanted him to see this movie first because we had talked about it for a while. And he, I think with my sister, he ended up seeing the movie, the Meg. And I was like, and and I kept telling him, I was like, don't see that before we see Jaws. I want you to see Jaws first. Don't see that. And then I, but I hadn't told her that. So I think he went over to stay one night and, and uh, at her apartment and they ended up watching that. I was like, I I didn't want that to be your first like (laughs) killer shark movie. Um, You know, but he, he really enjoyed it. Like he really liked this one. And yeah, the only scene I think in particular that got him, like he kind of, 
you know, he, he sat up real straight in the very first, when, when Chrissy got attacked and killed. Um, but the scene that really got him, like, usually he, he tries to kind of, you know, play the tough guy and he's like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> is the scene where Quint gets attacked and gets taken <laughs> and he's just sitting there. He's like, Oh, he almost started gagging a little bit. He's like, I don't, Oh, is it over yet? <laughs> like, no. Hey, yeah. I like you uncover your eyes. You know, you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark with face melting, and other, you uncover your eyes and you watch this right now. But no, he he really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Hey, speaking Therapy of in ten years, well, speaking of, Dad told me just open my eyes and yeah. watch it. <laughs> That's not why, though. <laughs> you watch. You will watch that man you get eaten by that shark, and you will enjoy it. Melt. You will watch him get eaten by a shark. Uh, can we say for the 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 nighttime scenes in this movie were like, uh, to my feeling, just beautifully shot. I loved seeing the scenes of the boat at night, or. I mean, just the way they did the light. I, I just thought that was really, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, obviously when he was going out and they found uh, the one guy, the one dead guy's boat or whatever, you know, and they had Hooper's boat. That was, that was cool. Cause that felt like, okay, you know what we have like zero visibility, but then also like when they showed uh, the orca out at sea or when Chrissy goes out swimming and it's just, it's, a, I mean, you got a lot of lighting, so it almost seems like a moonlit night. I just thought the nighttime shots were, were really cool. So. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it's getting late. I think it's time to wrap this one up. It's. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago, an hour ago and it's gone right to my head. Be the way to go. I'm tired and I wanna go. I'm tired and I wanna go to bed. That's, see, Pat, they pound on the table too, so it's okay. They, they pound on the it's table too. Good. You're in, you're in good company. I'm saying when I sat on my hands that episode, there was still pounding going on that was not from me. I'm not saying anything else. All right, you never rat on your friends, and you always keep your mouth shut. But there was pounding after, you know. That's right. That's okay. Gripes, gripes. I'm just saying. Gripes go up. It's all right. That's um, right. Very, 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 very quickly. I, I don't want to take a whole lot of time on this. If you've got an answer, great. If you don't. We'll move on uh, and we'll wrap it up. Do you have a favorite shark movie other than this one? Like, is there another uh, one that you can think I was of? Like, hoping you were going to ask that okay. question. So if you take yeah. out this movie, is there another Thank shark you. movie that you're like, mm, that one? And I'll make it fast. I'll just say, yeah, because the hard part is why it's such a good question is because you have something that does this so well with the shark. Yeah. And it's just go ahead and say Sharknado and get it over with. It makes it I'm very, sorry. very I'm hard. I'm sorry, it's, to make uh, film. Jeff. It's it's Sharknado Four. I'm sorry. Four, yeah. <laughs> right. It makes it very, Sharknado. very hard. Yeah. Makes it very, very hard to do another film about sharks that's effective, in my opinion, because it's like this is sets the bar so high. The only other two that I feel that I've enjoyed as shark movies is Open Water and mm. The Shallows. I really like The Shallows. Yeah, I actually that was going to be mine. Was The Shallows. Yeah, I thought the shells was done very well. Again, very low, lower budget in a way. Um, simple idea, and and yeah, that great character. I think the characters developed in that movie really well. I mean, has everybody seen Shallows? I have not. Yeah. It's good. Okay. In honor of Jaws, watch the Shallows. Yeah, it's okay. Good one. It's good. One. I you know if if they hadn't uh, 
I don't want to give away a spoiler alert, but if they hadn't killed a major actor character in the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie, I probably would have chosen Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Um, mm. But it, but I remember watching that. I was like, really? You're going to kill that person this early in the movie? No, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Um, but no, I, I, Shallows, Shallows is a great movie, so that would, that would have to be my choice too. I think for the most part, like, and again, special effects sometimes can ruin a movie now, even though the sharks are technically better, but they make them, you know, Sharknado and all that stuff as we were joking, but it's like some of them become so far-fetched and so crazy where the thing about Jaws was it seems like it's possible mm-hmm. in real life. Like, this is a real possibility. The thing with Shallows that seems possible mm-hmm. you know it's like it's more in reality open water actually based on a situation where there was a couple that you know what happens is they go they go diving and the couple get down there and they go further than they should off on their own and there's a mistake on the boat um when they come up the 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 the, the you know the, the the group that's organizing this this trip the guy miscounts and they take off and they leave so this couple is left in the middle of open water, far away from land, with nothing, because the boat already took off. And before the boat's going to realize that they uh, forgot two people and check their their manifest or anything like that, you know, these people are out there. And it was actually based on an article that this couple read, and then made. So I think when it's grounded in something real too, that just adds to it. And I think so many movies have gone to extremes with the shark being this like super Jason Voorhees, um, you know. Michael Myers sort of character who just doesn't seem to die and and the other ones seem to to just do a much better job when it's grounded a little bit more in reality. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go with open water. Okay. That that I was after I saw that I was I was afraid to step in a puddle. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and I just I remember like nighttime scenes when it was storming in the movie and like yeah. lightning would flash and like you'd see silhouettes of their bodies uh just uh you know treading water and then like you'd think you see a silhouette of a shark fin but you weren't sure yeah. like it was that movie was tough yeah and you feel like you're there with them yeah like you really feel i mean that's what they do so well is you literally feel like you're in the water with them yeah you're cold yeah. and that's what that's the what i loved about the shallows was just how simple of a of mm-hmm. a concept it is that you know she and she's not that far from the shore yeah but she just can't give it she's being stalked by this shark and she cannot beg it because for most of the movie isn't she kind of uh, she's holding on to that buoy and then she gets onto a little buoy, bit of rock, island and, like yeah. a little island a buoy rock a whale yeah and she oh, can't yeah. like she's she sees people on the shore and she's screaming but they're too far away and they can't hear her and it just you know it, it's like it, it, which that, is that so one true is, yeah and when that you've one ever is just been out the, in the, the water, tension. you yell back yeah. at people and they can't hear you at the beach. So they, they don't know what's going on. And there's yeah. this like point A to point B she's got to get to. And you keep thinking there might be hope and, you know, and it's, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And that one's just, I mean, it's you, your body will be clenched the entire yes. time you watch that movie. It's one of those. Yeah. Yep. And it's, and what I liked about it is for the most part, again, I always say like scary movies, horror movies, if there's so many things that the people are doing that I wouldn't have done, I'm like, well, this is just, you know, it's kind of funny and amusing because anybody in their right mind wouldn't have done this. You would do this. You would call that. You would go here. You would. There's not much really she can do, you know, when she's in this situation. I, I think that's like the best thing is there's nothing really, you know, she's trying to do everything right and, and, and things just still aren't working out for her. So. All right. Did anybody else have any other shark movies they had thought of? 
No. Other than the cheese ball ones. Has everyone seen Deep Blue Sea? I was just thinking that might be the only shark movie I've seen besides Jaws, because none of these other ones anyone's mentioning I know of. I, okay. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen The Shallows or, or Open the, or, yeah. um, or uh, what's the open open water? No. The one with the two yeah. divers that get left behind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I know those are at like the top of the, the top. Have, have you guys all seen Deep Blue Sea or? Mm-hmm. I yeah. have. Yeah. Okay, because I, I just was going to say a spoiler. I want to be careful, but it was funny because uh, my dad's like, yeah, Deep Blue Sea, that's a, I, I don't know. They just make the sharks do too many impossible things. And he says, and, and I'll tell you the exact point. He says, Patrick, I'll tell you the exact point. I'm like, what's that, dad? He goes, you know, when the humans go and try and hide in the stoves or hide in the ovens, and I'm like, okay, if the sharks like figure out how to turn the stoves on or figure out how to do that, I'm out. And he said, and sure enough, I think I, if I remember right, somehow in the movie, they turn the ovens on mm-hmm. and he's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. When the sharks figure out how to put the humans in the ovens and cook them, that's too much for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I think that's the only other dark, like shark movie. I guess I got to see that shallows and open water and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. I well, like uh, Jaws 2 or Jaws 3D or Jaws the Revenge. No. That's okay. <laughs> I, although I will say, as, as I think Pat and I both remembered, the one scene from Jaws 3 is pretty memorable. Yeah. When they're, when they're all trapped in that walkway, because they all go yeah. to like a, a hub in the walkway and the doors start to close and it's filling yeah. with water. Yeah. Right. That's right. I do you remember that? I remember the, the shot through the glass of the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Jaws yeah. 3 was the movie that taught me that apparently un- when underwater, sharks actually roar like a tiger. Right. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Well, well Deep, Deep Blue Sea taught me that, you know, sharks will grab people hanging out, off the bottom of a helicopter and then use them to break through the window to get inside. And yeah. Well, if they yeah. just had their if they had their shark repellent spray, then they would have been. That's I was right. just I was just thinking that the, if they would only just get their their bat shark repellent, right? Yeah. Um, Problem solved. I don't I'll go. I don't this, go into a helicopter without it. So, the scene out of uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea when the shark actually knocks the guy over because that actually happened. That's kind of a cool scene. You guys know about that, right? The whole Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. You guys know about that. Yeah, no. I mean, I've, I've heard of the story. I'm not okay. sure. I... All right. There's a scene in there where they're walking around, and it's like all of a sudden there's a shark that comes in, and it like runs into the guy and knocks him over. And it was a shark that just wandered on set and like knocked a bunch of people over and <laughs> butted into him and everything like that. And so they got they took the footage and put it in. I know it's not a shark movie, but <laughs> it's all I got. It's all I got. We work with what we got. That works. It's true. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our Jaws 45th anniversary spectacular. Um, so thank you guys for coming on tonight. I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about this one because, you know, I always, I always look back at, yeah. you know, some of the ones that we hit some milestones in these years that we're covering. And uh, this one in particular, just I, I can't think of another movie that so kind of established. I'm, I'm trying to think of another movie. There's not another movie that I can think of that has just established this much of an effect on people's perception of a real life animal uh, than Jaws. You know, that this is just, like we said, the, the music, the da-dum-da-da. It's in even people who have never seen it before. 
they associate that with sharks. They just, you know, and, and, you know, for, for good or bad, um, the perception of, of what this has done for sharks, but at the same time, just a phenomenal movie. And it's just, it's gotta be up there with, with, you know, maybe even like the top five most influential movies in our culture, I would imagine. But yeah, it's, it's good stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's awesome. It's, (laughs) Oh, there so, it is. There, there it wow. is. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why we brought in the older perspective, you know, for things like that. Uh, for our get, dad joke quota. Yeah. For our Somebody dad, get yeah. him back to the home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, by the time this one comes out, um, we are looking at, I think our time and space month is starting up. Uh, so our next episode is likely going to be back to the future part three. Uh, then Star Trek The Next Generation The Best of Both Worlds we're, we're doing part one and two combined uh, after that Spaced Invaders uh, after prepare to die your scum prepare to die your scum there you go I'm gonna put that on your tombstone uh, and then you. after that this does not fall into the time and space category but we did have an open week so Mo Better Blues is gonna go there at the end of the month uh, for our time and space month and then uh, once we kind of start back to school with September we've got Kids Month we're gonna be looking at Kindergarten Cop Home Alone DuckTales, the movie, and Problem Child. So those are our movies coming up within the next couple months or so. Looking forward to some of those. Some of those I have not seen in a, in a very long time. Problem, I haven't seen Problem Child in a long time. DuckTales yeah. is on uh, Disney+. Plus. Is it really? Okay, good. I, I was going to make sure we... Well, I know we're going to have a copy of it that we can, we'll be able to watch, but I figured it would probably be on, on Disney+, Plus at some point. All right. Well, if you want to find more about our podcast, go to 30podcast.com. You can find us at 30podcast on most of the the social media stuff. Uh, Voicemail line, if you want to call in and leave some feedback that we can play on the show and react to. 872-356-6843. Pat, I have not replaced that with your cell phone number yet, so we're going to stick with the number that we got. Um, That's fine. But, uh, you know, if, if at some point you do want to become the official phone operator for the podcast, then... You know what? I don't. I don't do the social media thing. You know, yeah. so maybe that'll be my thing. Like, if fans just want a phone call, one mm-hmm. hundred uh, Big Bear, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wookie at hotmail dot com. Um, you know, I'll I'll be the I'll call him. I'll call him. I'll just be like, hey, what's up? I'm not gonna tweet at you on FaceTube or mm-hmm. Facebook or whatever it is, but yeah, I'll give you a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Harry Bad Hat. We could reverse it, and you could. <laughs> <laughs> That could be some bad hat, Harry. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for being here tonight. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Guys, th- thanks for uh, for humoring me with this episode. It was it, it, it was in listening to the uh, the Shirley you can't be serious guys a couple weeks ago. They talked about how they were getting ready to do their Jaws versus uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I went back to watch both movies, and after I watched Jaws, I was like. God, we we need to talk about this film, and I mm-hmm. and I was like, I think it's 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 a milestone year for it, so it just sort of worked out that we could say it's a 45th anniversary conversation. But thank you guys. This this was yeah. It was it was good to see you guys and, and jump on back for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This was very cool. Absolutely, this was right. very cool. All right, well, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and don't be afraid to get into the water. It's it's okay. The it's a beautiful day outside. The the beaches are open. It's just it's a great day. Um, sure. All right. See you, everybody. 